the review of the year 2019 part two Hang on, it's 2018. And you, fuck it and you fucked it up. I'm like, the, I'm like one of the first words, the first sentence. I'm already adjusting to New Year time, uh, even though it's not even Christmas. Wait, yet. what? Oh. Okay. It's the review of the year episode. It's Woo! 2018. It's part two of 2018. Um, we've been enjoying part two for about six months now. And we're going to take a look back at all the films we were looking forward to. Over the last 25 episodes or so. We are here, me, Alan, and over there it's Sol. Uh, hi. Good. <laughs> and joining us today will be a cavalcade of guests. But of course we've got to start the show with our very, very, very good co-host, Calvin. Boo! <laughs> Ooh, what? Of course, Calvin. In this in this uh, six months, you've abandoned us, as we, as we know. <laughs> uh, you were uh, briefly incarcerated. You're out now, though. So um, yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to be looking at oh, loads of films, about twelve of them or something. Um, we've got a few other guests popping in to talk about films, mostly people who we talk to on the specific episodes we're dealing with. Um, for anyone who's new to our review of the year, basically, throughout the year we been looking at films that were about to come out so now here every six months we just have a quick catch-up with a little review of all these films that we've been talking about so of course if you want to go back and are interested in our thoughts on these films before they were released and, and our thoughts on the films that precede them you can go uh, look at our back catalogue it's on dimreturns.com that's our website it's also on your podcast apps just roll back and find the ones you're interested in Mm-hmm. So the first one is actually tidying up from just before our last review episode. Yeah, uh, Deadpool, the sequel, Deadpool, Deadpool two. two. So now I think we generally enjoyed Deadpool, didn't we? Even yeah. I enjoyed it, and I'm not really that sort of film. Yeah. Did you, Did you give it an eight? Even. Yeah, it was. It was an eight. I think it was the the comedy pulled you through. You were quite a big fan of you. You like that kind of comedy. I think I was a bit more negative. But it was very much just pushing back against perceiving the film as being a bit overrated. I still enjoyed it. I think I gave it a seven. I like that it got made and that it was as successful as it was. But it was it really pulled its punches. It really played it safe. It felt like they thought, "Oh, this is so out there and kooky. People won't mm. take to it unless we're really careful." And I was really kind of hoping that Deadpool 2 would feel a bit more confident in what it was doing and be willing to get a bit more out there and be a bit more off the wall because people obviously respond to it. And I mean, yeah, jumping right to the to the end of that, I, I think Deadpool 2 did go a bit further with things, was a bit more willing to go a bit out mm-hmm. there. And yeah. as a result, I do think Deadpool 2 was superior to Deadpool. Good, nice little pot review there. <laughs> Potted yeah. review, sorry. Not pot review. Yeah, I just to give Ding general dong. thoughts. Oh, hello. Oh. Who's that? Oh, whoa, man. It's me, Stoner Calvin, dude. <laughs> I heard you doing pot reviews. <laughs> no, it was a slip of the tongue. Oh, go, get, get out. out of here. We can't be bothered with you. Okay, so my, my general feelings were, I, I enjoyed the film. I felt there was enough new aspects to keep it fresh, but it was... Essentially the same as the first for me. I, I yeah. enjoyed it on the same yeah. level. I gave it. A, I, I wouldn't give it quite the same rating as the as the first film, just because it was kind of like oh, I've seen this before. Yeah, it wasn't but it, but at the, the same time, I was happy to see it a second time. 
I don't yeah. know if it's, it was just a third film with the exact same. I don't know about that. But, mm. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if they still are, but they were moving forward with an X-Force movie. And I don't know what that could possibly be if not this film. I mean, the, yeah. this film saw the creation well, of the off. X-Force and then <laughs> killed them all off. And, well, and I mean, I love that about it. I thought that was great. I love Brad Pitt as the uh, Invisible Man. I thought yeah. they got some great humour out of it. It, it, it's a fun film. I, I think it's exactly kind of what you wanted from more of the same. They they tack it onto a Terminator plot. It's so derivative. The music even rips off the theme tune from Terminator. But at the same time, that's kind of all you want with Deadpool, isn't it? You want to see him doing fun, silly spoofs of stuff. Uh, Domino, yeah. the the character who her her superpower is she's incredibly lucky was used excellently, I, like that. I thought. Yeah, it worked really well with that. Yeah. I, it's one of those things where if you really give it too much thought, it's like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to fall apart, but just in the concept of how they used it, yeah, it was really nice. Mm-hmm. And so they had some great, great uh, visual action sequences with her just sort of casually walking around and everything blowing up around her in the perfect way. Mm. Uh, they had the little New Zealand boy from... The Hunt of the Wilder People, which was an odd I've never seen decision. him. I've never seen him in anything else, so it was fresh to me. But yeah, a lot of character there, a lot of personality there. That That's mm. what this film needs. Yeah. I mean, I feel, it feels like the actor has the personality rather than it's just written in. Yeah. Which is yeah. the same goes for Ryan Reynolds. You know, it needs that. Mm. It, this wouldn't, film wouldn't... I, I imagine the film doesn't work particularly well on the page. <laughs> it kind of needs to be brought to life. Josh Brolin was good as Cable. Yeah, Josh Brolin's a good old dependable guy, isn't he? He really is, yeah. He's got a weird affinity for doing superhero villains as well at the moment. But um, yeah, I thought he was good. Anyway, yeah, it was all right. Seven out of ten from me. I give it a seven as well, yeah. And and as I say, for me, that's a stronger seven than the first film, but not a lot in it. To Calvin. Calvin's coming in now. We're going to talk about Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm. Okay, well, uh, just uh, quick, quickly, there was a bit of a uh, bit of shenanigans when this film was made, wasn't it? They had to go back and reshoot a lot of stuff because they weren't mm. happy with it. Um, do Do you know the background of any of that? Yeah, the director's yeah. got fired in the middle of filming, which was or is unprecedented. Just doesn't really happen. Certainly not on a film of this scale. You're typically mm. just hire someone to do reshoots if you're that unhappy with them and uh they did tell that to brian singer (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. brian singer was and still ended up being the credited director of bohemian rhapsody and the credited director of solo is um big ron big ron howard mr ron howard Mm -hmm. yes dependable Mm -hmm. ev uh, dependable as ever ron howard Isn't that just part of the problem, though? That he is just dependable, a safe pair of hands? Yeah, I mean, I I think... I feel like we we discussed all this on our episode leading up to Solo, didn't we? I think we said yeah, we definitely much. talked about Ron so. Howard and he, how he's Him being a bland. Got, he's got a few crackers, though, hasn't he? You know, he's, oh, he's, he, he's a... yeah, he, he's made some mm. very good films. He's made some dreadful, dreadful mm. films, but yeah, he's a he's a he's a he's a Hollywood hired gun. He's a very dependable, safe pair of hands. If you're happy with the script, I think is generally, um, mm. the way studio heads look at him. Uh, he of course has ties to star Wars cause he, he was, uh, sort of unofficially offered, uh, was it the prequel films or Phantom Menace or something at some point? I think it was Phantom Menace. Yeah. When, before Lucas decided he was just going to direct them himself. 
I mean, he was uh, he was mates with George Lucas all the way back there. He must have been mm. must have been involved at the start. He must have at least known what was going on. He directed Harrison Ford, Willow, of course, as well. Mm. Well, he was in American Graffiti, which was before Star Wars. Oh, really? Was he? Okay. With oh, Harrison Ford, yeah, of course, that. as well. That's where yeah. Harrison Ford and, oh. and George Lucas first worked together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so be, no one could be better positioned, really, to he's got the, be a He's got director. the uh, lineage. He was, he was there at the... Well, he was a lot involved, but he was, you know... He knew them before they were famous. <laughs> I, I mean, I just really... I don't know what... I just don't know how this film went into production in the state it was in. Not not state in like a bad use of the word. Just just if they weren't happy with the direction that the the you know Lord and Miller were planning to take it in. I just don't really know what what happened. How they were allowed to mm. get to filming it because yeah, it's obvious what they're going to do with it. Surely and yeah, apparently they were. Uh sort of encouraging improvisation and going off script and that was the main point of contention. I bet Ron yeah, doesn't apparently. do that. And, and, I mean, again, that's, that's <laughs> kind of what the they're good. known for. Yeah. Jim Carrey must be mm. doing a bit of that. But that that's what mm. Phil Lord and Chris Miller, Chris Lord, Phil Miller, whatever yeah. way around it is, that's what they're known for. Mm. They, they made 21 yeah. Jump Street. They're known for, like, comedies where they get funny people in and they're quite improv heavy and... Mm, it's, it, it's weird that you wouldn't sort of at least have a conversation about how they're planning to direct it and yeah. on the set if that's going to be an issue. Especially when they, they they got through filming a big chunk of it, didn't they? Was mm. it like seventy percent done? And I know they reshot some bits, yeah. so but a lot of their footage still makes it in there. Well, yeah. like, like I say, uh, the the credited director is Ron Howard. Mm. So as far yeah. as the like the the DGA goes, it must have been a significant portion of the film for him to to get the credit yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah i mean I know it was a big dispute that whole thing but yeah i think they mm. they ruled yeah it's ron howard's film now he's done mm. whatever percentage of the directing you have to do to kind of get that credit and it put the film way over budget as well apparently it was <laughs> i ended up with a budget of bet- yeah. like nearly 300 million dollars which <laughs> is one of the most expensive films ever made really <laughs> And I think a good third of that came about because of the reshoots. Yeah. Well, that, well, from the sounds of it, they practically had to make a second film. I mean, yeah. as good as. Uh, yeah. And at the last mm. minute, which probably doesn't help because it means you haven't got time to shop around for the best deal when it comes to you yeah. know hiring a new art department or location or yeah. whatever. Or, yeah, mm. it, it just it doesn't surprise me, basically. Mm. Well, that's a bit of the background. How did you guys see this? Because I'm it's saying a lot that I'm the Star Wars fan of the three of us, and I only just saw this film um, in you know for this review. Really, I oh, didn't really? see it at the cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched it yeah like two days ago as well. Yeah, <laughs> I went to see it at the cinema. I I um I went to see Deadpool two on a date, uh, and a man accosted us on the way out of the cinema. Saying, oh, oh you come and come and watch Star Wars. It's out tonight, midnight, oh. midnight release. Star Wars, and I sort of went, nah, don't want to do that. <laughs> Definitely don't want to do that. And I think he was trying to drum up some sales because no one was going to see the film at its midnight release, and um. he was going to have to be in it till like three in the morning, and no one was going to be there. Um, hmm. And then I probably went back like the next week or something. 
Just out of interest. Oh. So. I thought that was going to lead to an interesting anecdote about how you and this date ended up back at the cinema at midnight. <laughs> well, she, she, I think she was, I think she actually quite wanted to go and see it, but I was just like, no, I'm not going to a midnight screening of a Star Wars film. The people there <laughs> will be insufferable. I'm not spending two plus hours in close proximity with the sorts of people who would be <laughs> at a midnight screening of Solo, a Star Wars story. Wait a minute, you, I, I mm. thought the exact same thing when you did go to a midnight screening of something. What was it? Yeah, of something good. What was it? Avengers. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Look, right? A higher I, caliber of person at that. <laughs> it is. It is. And frankly, like, I wouldn't judge people going to like a midnight screening of a proper Star Wars. It's mm. it's solo a Star Wars story. It's not a proper Star Wars. Yeah. Is it? It's like a little spin off. No one cares about it. Well, it's, a, it's supposed to be a little spin off, but now it's ended up being like the most expensive <laughs> film in the franchise. Is it really? Is, yeah, because of the reshoots. Fucking it's like I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, actually. Even like yeah, wow. Force Awakens and Last Jedi didn't have quite the budget. Even even having to pay like Mark Hamill's extortionate acting fees. <laughs> <laughs> to get him yeah. to come back, wow. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Okay, so what do we think of the film itself? Um, uh, I, I, you know, I actually went into this saying there was a really good chance. If I think, I think my official line before I saw it was that I was betting on it being either my least favorite Star Wars of all time or my favorite of all time, and just no, no, like middle ground between the two. Hmm, I could just hmm. see it going either way. And, yeah. you know, I, I, laying my cards completely on the table, I think to say it had so much trouble and it's a film that completely has no purpose and shouldn't exist and all this stuff, mm. I think mm. it's surprisingly alright as just mm. like a throwaway disposable bit of sci-fi nonsense, which is ultimately all Star Wars is to me. I know it means more to a mm. lot of people. So, I mean, I... I I was kind of expecting it to be worse. I, I think it's surprisingly not as messy a film as as I yeah. sort of expected. Yeah. You know, compare this to Justice League, which is Frankenstein schizophrenic. Mm. You can see the seams, like the insides of the film, popping out through all these bits that have been stitched together. This feels largely like a film that you know I, I could believe this was built from the ground up as this yeah. film. There's only one or two little moments that kind of give it away. So, mm. yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was all right. Um, I mean, I'm, I say I, I went into it pretty open-mindedly, to be honest with you. Um, pretty empty-mindedly, to, to be fair. I was just, I had no expectations whatsoever. I was just like, I, this is a young Han Solo, right? That's pretty much all I had. Um, I was all right with it. It was fine. Yeah. It was mm. nothing mm. great to say, but nothing bad either. I have a lot of very positive things to say about specific elements. I also have a lot of very negative things to say on, on like, the balance. I think it's, yeah, it's alright. <laughs> mm, mm. Calvin, you're the big Star Wars fan, so this is going to be the interesting opinion, I suppose. Well, I'm exactly the same as you. It was just sort of alright. And in a way, that's more frustrating than yeah. if it were very good or very yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. And it's I, I just find it a more interesting... Uh, like its place in certainly the Star Wars franchise now and basically what the failure, we haven't really touched on that, but yeah, it did fail yeah. massively at the box office yeah. and what that is doing to the franchise, yeah. really. I think it's interesting from that standpoint. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, otherwise it's just yeah, it, it's fine. It's passable entertainment for a couple of hours, but I I don't think I'll be revisiting it anytime soon. I think it has uh, perhaps the best cast of a Star Wars film. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly mm-hmm. in terms of number of actors that I like in it, which was kind of it was quite jarring, honestly, because I don't I don't think of Star Wars being a franchise where I can you know, watch one of the films and be like, oh, there's so-and-so who I like, and there's another actor yeah. I like. It, it, it's normally... The the actors in Star Wars are normally people that are known because they were in Star Wars. Mm. Um, mm. For the most part. <clears throat> it, yeah. I don't know, it was odd. But th- this you've got Woody Harrelson, who is a constant delight. I don't think I've ever seen Woody Harrelson in something and not enjoyed him. Um, mm. You've got... Uh, Thandie Newton, criminally underused. Mm. Yeah, she she uh, gets. I was thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, she mm. she's so a, gonna have her. Let's have more of her. Yeah, highlight of the mm-hmm. film, but but very very brief and not really made proper use of. Uh, Paul Bettany is a, a real scene steal, uh, scene chewing, scenery chewing villain, uh, <laughs> See, which I, I certainly enjoyed. I'm sure I didn't really. I wasn't that first. I mean, first for the first thing, I was like, "Is that Paul Bettany? He's in everything. What the fuck is going on?" But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just nothing quite well, there. The, I think it needed someone who was going to bring something really individual to well, it. He was a very last-minute mm. switch out, I, I believe, Alan. He, originally, the villain was full CGI. I think it was portrayed by a different actor entirely, and Ron Howard was like, "Who can we get at the last minute to step in and just like do this as a a human?" And they got Paul Bettany and put some makeup on him, a little scar or whatever he's got. It did feel it did feel very much like. You've got you've got forty five minutes to come up with a character yeah, makeup yeah. design. <laughs> yeah, well, not not just makeup design. Like it feels like Paul Bettany's just been given the script. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. I ago. think that is probably that. Perhaps that is it. Then maybe Paul Bettany didn't get a chance to put his stamp on it because yeah. it just felt very meh. Yeah, I think that's probably what it was then. Yeah. And Paul Bettany, I do like Paul Bettany, and he—I don't know. I mean, he can do kind of quirky stuff as well. But I think you need—you need someone there with a real big amount of character to just yeah. really bring um, that to life. You've got Amelia yeah. Clark, who I oh love her like yeah. uh, when she's put to good use, which she is here. Yeah, she was good. I mean, he's not an actor. Uh, obviously, he's portrayed by an actor, but Chewbacca. I've never really understood the appeal of Chewie before this film, and now I get it. Mm. Like the the mm. friendship and seeing it like form between him and Han, I actually got really invested in the character. It's it's the first time that's ever happened to me in a Star Wars film, and I really quite mm. liked it for that. It does um, annoy me though that, and and I I assume they did it deliberately in this film because it's there in the Star Wars, but how much he just gets sort of pushed to the back and like never mm. consulted. Or asked his opinion. It's just like, oh, yeah. Chewie, do this. <laughs> Chewie, do that. And but he I, it. I love that, like, you know, they, they set him up as like, oh, he'll eat people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, quite, I love that scene where they meet. It's like as similar as it was to various Star Trek episodes where, like, you know, Spock and Kirk have to fight and stuff. It, it, it was great, that whole sequence with them. With cute of, meat. Yeah, yeah. Um, plus, it, don't you don't you think when he was covered in mud and stuff, he looked more like Harry and the Hendersons than ever? <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, mm. you've got Clint Howard in here somewhere. You've got, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got Warwick Davis. 
You've got all your <laughs> usual people. You just pop John up. John Favreau. John Favreau. Not a big fan of him in this, actually, to be honest. Didn't really like that. Do character. you like... Um... Do you like Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Yeah, I've been I've been saving her to the end because she's a very yeah. controversial character. I understand within the story. Oh, really? Oh, That's interesting because it's probably my favourite character in the whole oh, thing. Absolutely, she yeah. was. A, she, I thought she was an absolute delight. I thought that character was brilliant. Loved her. Thought her performance mm. was great. And I've I think heard I made... a lot of people saying she's the worst thing that's ever happened to Star Wars and they can't stand the character and think it's like no, no, no. an inexcusable bit of, you know, Jar Jar Binks-esque attempt at comic relief. I loved her. I thought she was great. Hmm. No, I really liked her. Yeah. There was definitely something about it being an English accent as well that just makes it work mm. so much yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but well, they she... often have English accents, actually, the the droids. Like, I think, oh no, Alan Tudchik. Did he do English? Yeah, R2-D2 is Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Um, yeah, and uh, but yeah, I really liked her. I, I don't really know her. I know she's in Fleabag. I haven't really seen anything with her in. Yeah, it's pretty so, much the first thing I've seen her in. Yeah, I loved. Um, I saw the show Killing Eve on oh, BBC, yeah. and that she. I knew she wrote that, and that was really good. But she, yeah, she. But it was a great performance as well, and uh, it's mm. often a tough mm. task at just a vocal performance. And, and it was comic. It was a comic relief character who didn't like go for the obvious sort of. Do you know, it was quite an unusual comedy character. It was quite an unusual like persona that they put in there. I, I think most of the films were just gone mm. a lot more like she's crazy or she's stupid, mm. and it was a lot more. There was more to it than that. And I've heard a lot of people yeah. complaining that it's like a oh, it's a social justice warrior character because she's trying to free the slaves. And it's like, well, number one, I think you're missing the the humor <laughs> that it's mm. done with. Number two, are you are you saying you're pro slavery? I mean, what, <laughs> what like is that a problem for you that the character doesn't like slavery? Are we all is anyone opposed <laughs> to slavery now as social justice snowflake on the internet apparently? Is that where we're at? Mm. We're at. Anyway, yeah. Well, I, I liked it because it, it plays in, I think, and I presume this is deliberate, but it plays into stuff that we were talking about from the first film when we mm. did our review about yeah, how these uh, and, and there's a specific moment in this where she re- refers to restraining bolts as barbaric yeah which is something we talked about because luke has them on yeah c-3po and r2d2 to stop them running away from him or killing him while he's asleep mm. one of the big fan favorite performances of the film that everyone was praising and to be honest the one i'm probably least interested in least won over by donald glover as, as lando calrissian i've never really mm. I've never really got the deal with Lando to begin with, um, which probably, you know, it's probably because I'm not a massive Star Wars guy anyway. I'm also, Mm. I'm not entirely Mm. sure about this Donald Glover hype. As, you know, a a big fan of Community, someone who's really, you know, been very aware of Donald Glover from right back when he was writing on 30 Rock, I, I just... I don't know. I don't like him as much as everyone else seems to. I don't dislike him, but this is America. Well, yeah, it's a it's a nicely shot music video. The song's bollocks. Um, <laughs> great. He, I know what you mean. He is very um, of the moment. He's yeah, very much the darling of whatever the world is at the moment, and that's fine. And I think, but I think he's he plays got the part fine. You know exactly. He's got enough to back that up. Uh, I agree with you that I think he is a bit overhyped, and I don't quite get it. I don't really—I'm not really into his music that much. I don't know if it's um, just—I mm. don't know if it's just that I know him too much because it—it it just felt like mm. oh, it's Donald Glover doing a sort of Lando Calrissian impression. It's—it never felt like oh, I'm just watching 
Lando Calrissian. I, I don't know. Mm. But I don't know I thought I've always thought of Lando as a. I mean, I, I know that Billy Dee Williams did bring personality to it, but it's, it is a bit of a nothing yeah, character to yeah. me, and that they can sort of do what they want with it, and I'll be fine. And he was fine, yeah, he was yeah, good. He was fine, yeah. Um, there's another big um, cameo character appearance, I suppose we should address, which is uh, mm. the sort of almost a twist, I guess, at the end when, mm. when Darth Maul appears. Yeah. Now. What was that what was that Darth Maul? Yep. Because I thought, oh yeah, the one with the red and black face and all that, that's Darth Maul. But then it didn't look mm. like him and I was like, no, it's gonna be someone else, but it's like the same species or whatever. It's like no, Darth that's Maul's him. uncle or something. It's like the same that, actor reprising the role, but they didn't get Peter Serafinowicz to do the voice. Cause... You see, I knew, I could mm. tell it wasn't Peter Serafinowicz, yeah. and that's what made me think. But also, it's the same actor who's now 20 years older. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, it's it's, just, maybe that's why he just looked a bit fatter. It's, it's whoever's been <laughs> voicing him on the Star Wars Clone Wars animated series yeah. is now doing the official voice. Um, and I know this caused a lot of uh, confusion for some of the more casual fans to me as a complete casual fan i just thought oh yeah it's a prequel it's set before the phantom menace he's still alive fine uh then i I read into it and it's like oh no it's not it's set after the phantom menace and he's come back from and he didn't die and it's this whole weird shit following the clone wars continuity where apparently he he gets cut in half and he keeps himself alive using like intense hatred which powers the force and allows him to live as like half a body and then he gets spider legs put onto him and <laughs> I, I just thought yeah i thought like for fuck's sake can't we can't we just fiddle the timeline or something really do we have to oh, God. <laughs> well my my yeah. this was one of my major problems with the film uh, it was Kira's storyline, which was fine throughout until mm. there was no ending. Her, yeah. her storyline mm. doesn't get completed because it's obviously setting up for a potential yeah. sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. really annoys me. Which will me never happen. Because, yeah. yeah, exactly. But even so, just allow it to finish in this story, yeah. their relationship or whatever, even if it means she can move forward onto something else, that's yeah. fine. Mm. Yeah. But the problem with it was that we didn't get that completion in this story, which was her suddenly running away. Mm. Okay, letting him go, but, you know, at the same time abandoning him, which was be a massive thing. With all the thing we built up for this whole film, we should have a massive effect on him, and we don't get to see anything. He kind of watches her fly off and goes like, oh, well, I didn't expect any of that. Uh, and that agree, was it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, so it was just really let the ending down and made it fall flat. Yeah. I thought the dynamic between her and Han was great. I love their chemistry. I love the sort of interplay between those characters. I thought there was potential to do something really interesting, really great with them, and it just kind of let it down. And I don't know how mm. much of that is a product of this film being a troubled production, or I don't know. But it, yeah, it felt like a, a missed opportunity, really, to mm. do something and more then, than it was. And then your Woody Harrelson character mm. gets much more of a rounded send-off and yeah. a kind of a big emotional climax to that. And like you needed that with her. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I suppose last, but, well, possibly least, possibly not, I don't know. Uh, the main man himself, Han Solo, now portrayed by Alden, Alden Ehrenreich, who 
Yeah, who's been getting all sorts of criticism for being awful, was going to acting lessons in the middle of filming. Yeah. How does that happen? <laughs> I mean, seriously, how does that how does that occur? How do you even get cast? Before? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he I think, was. I've definitely seen him fine. in other things, and he's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just he when just, he doesn't have that charismatic spark that Harrison Ford has, yes. but then a yeah. lot of people don't. And maybe they should yeah. have focused on casting until they found someone who did. But I, I think that was a big, a big problem with with casting this film. I think they were really mm. struggling mm. to find the person with that spark. Um, yeah, and yeah, I don't know. I, I I thought he was fine. He was certainly the least interesting character in his own film. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and there was a few moments that it was like, oh yeah, he's got the right sort of sparkle there. He's got a little touch of the old Harrison's. In a, in a little smile or something, like he was trying to do a couple of little mannerisms. But for the most mm. part, it didn't feel like that character. It didn't feel like a young version of that character. Yeah. It just felt like, yes. And this is a Han Solo guy. Here's your, here's your hero. Yeah. New, new person. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved that they tried to make it into a sort of heist film. I wish they'd done that a bit more full on. It felt, it mm. didn't feel quite as developed as it might have been. I certainly wouldn't be opposed to. A solo sequel. I feel like the pieces are in play to make something a lot better than this. Now they've sort of, but I, I, I don't know if that's gonna be happening. Uh, I can't imagine that will ever, yeah. yeah, get off the ground. Now the, the best you might get is them appearing in another sort of Star Wars universe film. I wouldn't be surprised mm. if there is like some sort of prequel put together, and it's you know Han and Chewie plus I don't know Lando the, the guy from Rogue bit. One or something. <laughs> um, right. We'll we'll see. I guess. I know that they put a hold on standalone Star Wars movies now. Um, I think the next one to be released is the next episode saga next year, but then after that it's a bit sort of vague. I guess that as a result of this, they're not going to keep churning them out one a year. Yeah, and, and you know, maybe rightly, people just fatigued. Rightly so. Well, they, they were, so this underperformed insofar as it, you know, massively fell short of what Disney were expecting it to do for them business-wise, because mm. they thought, fuck, it's Star Wars. Everyone wants Star Wars. There's a whole load of theories banded about as to why that is. Some people are blaming it on The Last Jedi. I don't think that's particularly mm. likely to really have played a significant impact into it at all. A lot of people are blaming mm. it on the troubled production. I think that's also very unlikely to have had a significant impact, because the only sorts of people mm. who are aware of the behind-the-scenes workings of a film on that level. You know, they don't account for a big chunk of cinema box office, I don't think. Um, yeah. I I do think it is just fatigue. It's This is not a proper Star Wars film. I think audiences are savvy enough mm. to know that this is a kind of spin-off side thing. People mm. are less interested in Han Solo spin-offs than they are in proper Star Wars mm. It was like what six months less than since the previous Star Wars film had come out. Yeah, and yeah, and it's and that was because the Last Jedi ended up getting its release date pushed back because yeah. that was supposed to be released in May of so there was supposed to be a year, yeah. but yeah, and didn't happen that way. And you know the reason Marvel get away with it is because they are all you know I I I know you disagree, but they are sort of their own distinct little pockets of this and that and. You know, at least superficially, the films are different. Hmm. Whereas I think Star Wars hasn't really... 
I know the, the the sort of game plan was to start doing, oh, it's a Star Wars noir, it's a Star Wars musical, <laughs> but that's mm. um, the first few films have all just kind of been, oh, it's a, an action romp in space. <laughs> They've all just sort mm. of been that to one extent or another. Um, mm. And I don't, I don't know, I, I think this was probably pitched as it's the light-hearted caper heist film uh, there's some really jarring moments of comedy in this film, which I mm. assume are Lord and Miller's work making it into the final yeah, cut. Yeah, I guess. Far, far fewer moments than I was expecting, but... Uh, Probably fewer I, than it needed, because it's it, it does lend itself. That whole, the, the Han Solo shtick, it does lend itself to comedy. Or at least that kind of sardonic wit that he has. This very sarcastic tone. It lends itself to a type of comedy, um, I'm not sure that like I don't know, there was some stuff at the beginning like when he's going to throw a rock at that alien that's just very like this feels like uh, they're riffing on set and improvise. it just feels very different to mm. the tone established in a Star Wars universe and and I'm not I'm not yeah. necessarily opposed to that if the whole film is in that tone and just kind of goes for it and says this is a different thing but it's not, mm. most of the film's going for that kind of more bland, generic way of doing a, a blockbuster. So I don't know. It's just it was an odd, an odd few moments that kind of popped out. And then of course you've got all the really just fucking cringy. Yeah, but what's your surname? Who are your people? I don't have any people. <laughs> hmm. Solo. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Piss off. We didn't need that, did we? It's ah. Oh. There are a few moments like that. It's just. Anyway, oh, and the whole the thing though, it's like, oh, the Kessel Run in thirteen. Oh God, that really annoyed yeah. me. Oh God, I was fear- I was like, I don't want to see the Kessel Run. I don't want to see it. It's better. <laughs> it's better like left to the imagination. Tell you what, I loved was that space kraken. <laughs> ah, oh, yeah. That felt like a real kind of oh, this is new territory mm. for Star Wars that we've not really yeah, gone yeah, into. Yeah. This is nice. Anyway, it was all right. Seven out of ten. Quite generous seven. Yeah, I'd go six. I gave it a six also, yeah. I Could have been a fair. seven just on a general romp scale, but uh, the ending let it down and I gave it a six. Mm. Hmm. Mm. It's fair, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, more on that when when <laughs> duo, solo, solo, uh, solo, a Star Wars <laughs> sequel comes out. <laughs> Which is never. Yeah. All right. Yep. What's next? Jurassic, uh, World. Ooh, Jurassic World. Ooh, okay. I'm excited to talk about this yes. one. All right. Uh, yeah, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. The yes. much anticipated sequel to Jurassic World, which was a huge, mm-hmm. like, behemoth of a, a hit. <laughs> I think more than people mm-hmm. were expecting. Well, I... I um... I watched this when it came out of the cinema, so we might have to start with you reminding me what happens in it, because I can't remember. <laughs> well, it's basically sort of the lost world again for a bit of it. Is it, it's is like, it basically... like T-Rex in New York or whatever it is? Uh, no. Just remind me quickly how you felt about Jurassic World, Alan, before we get into this. Uh, you hated it? No, I don't think I hated it. I think it was sort of fine, nothing special. Mm. Similar to how I thought. I think I was more positive than you, but I also thought it was kind of good but not great i think calvin absolutely loved it 
I do. I think. I think it is. It is probably my favorite Jurassic Park that's film. Obviously, that's, that's nonsense. That's <laughs> it's brilliant. It's that I, is yeah, wrong. Though. Love that it. Is the wrong opinion. Um, <laughs> but so I mean, look. I I'm going to preface this by saying I've had a really weird year at the cinema. I mean, this was the same <laughs> as uh, part one of our review of the year thing. I've just been loving everything I've gone to see. Everyone hated this. Yeah, it is is very much uh, what Jurassic World is to Jurassic Park, done with Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, or whatever it was called, for the first mm, half. Mm. And then it just kind of goes off and does something of its own for the second half. And it feels very much like a film yeah. of two halves. I, mm. I fucking loved this film. Mm. To the point that it's currently... And I'm sure this will change once I've seen a, a few more of the Oscar-y films at the end of the year. It's currently my second mm. favourite film of the year. Hey! I, behind? Behind Avengers Infinity War. It's not been a great year for um. films, if I'm honest. <laughs> but no, I, I really enjoyed this film. Uh, it mm. was everything I personally could have hoped for from a uh, Star Wars, from a Jurassic Park film. Um, and I And I think mm. it's... I think that's part of why a lot of people don't like it because this this is an unapologetically dark entry in this series, and mm. in many ways it is it's darker than your average blockbuster in that it it literally mm. burns the um, the island from the original films to the ground. It is just like there it goes, mm. it's gone. It, I don't know. Mm. It, it, mm. it felt quite unusual for this kind of a film to to do that. Mm. And so I, I thought the stuff where they are just kind of repeating the Lost World and going back to the island was the Lost World done well, which the Lost World isn't. Mm, I completely agree. Some mm. of the most dynamic, brilliant action the franchise has ever had. Um, mm. Some incredible action sequences just mm. had me... Everything I want from a, a blockbuster movie basically just in that mm. first half of the film dinosaurs running mm. about characters i enjoyed as well you, you've got uh chris pratt returning as owen grady and bryce dallas howard as claire deering from the the first film i think we complained about their mm. complete and utter lack of chemistry and ability to kind of play off each other in the first film now it feels like they are people who know each other and like each other and actually have some chemistry i don't know if that's mm. just because they've the actors have been around each other more. I don't know if it's a better director stepping in. I don't know what exactly that's down to, mm. but I like them in this film. I, I bought them as a pairing. I thought Chris Pratt's character finally made sense. Um, I know Alan mm. was very concerned that it was just going to be, oh, it's Chris Pratt from Guardians of the Galaxy doing quippy little gags. Yes. Well, I, I was concerned about that, especially given the trailer. Mm. But then when I actually watched it, it seemed like most of the trailer bits was kind of those were his little comedy shtick bits. Actually, I was all right with that bit. He has little comedy moments, but I think the difference is it's it's like, oh, this character just has a, a sort of dry wit that he lets out once in a while. Mm. And that isn't the same as Guardians of the Galaxy, where he's just playing a kind of doofus. Mm. It's like this character's just making a few jokes, and it's very believably in character that someone like this would make that little joke under his breath. The only um, comedy that came from him that I thought was a bit too much is when the lava's coming towards him if you oh remember God, he's been paralysed so by something yeah. and he's like, <laughs> yeah, and he's sort of like having to flop his body like, over this body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's really odd. Okay, so sh- shall we 
Shall we tell you why you're wrong about this no, film no, being no, good no. then? Hang <laughs> so on. We, are we getting to that bit yet? Okay, okay. The island is my <laughs> least favourite half of the film, Alan. Oh my god. Because <laughs> the second half of the film is when J.A. Bayona, the director, director of The Orphanage, takes mm. over and is like, right, we're going to do something new with this now because mm. this franchise mm. cannot just rehash old shit until the end of days. We've got to start forging new territory. And they go, you know what? This is a sci-fi franchise and it's the, the fifth entry in it. We've got to just kind of embrace that. And they go full mm. fucking European horror movie, haunted house, <laughs> uh, Resident mm. Evil video game mansion on the... It, 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 is, yeah. it is just a ballsy move. Bit balls to the wall. Um, and I'm on board with it. And I, I can see how it turned people yeah. off, but I loved it. I loved the horror movie vibes. I love the idea of seeing Jurassic Park reimagined as a kind of haunted house horror film through the eyes of kids. Very mm. European, Guillermo mm-hmm. del Toro-esque kind of way of doing it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm aware del Toro is not European, for the record. but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I completely agree, actually. like I think th- this was like... I, I get so bored of seeing these franchise films, like we were just talking about with Solo, where it's like, you know how you're going to feel about it before you even yeah. sit down to watch it. You, there, there aren't going to be any real surprises. Yeah. It might be like, oh, well, that character, I wasn't expecting them to turn up, but so what? The movie's still the same thing. This, I was really like... I wasn't expecting the... Like, literally the whole of the second half to be the haunted house horror thing and I I was in a constant state of like where is this going where is this going I actually don't know what's gonna come next and I really appreciated that Um, especially from such a big successful franchise to take risks I thought was very commendable but anyway yeah Alan uh, come on in and and complain (laughs) (laughs) well for a start right the whole horror house thing it was just it just felt like it was tonally a mess it was not consistent it was not realistic it was, oh, it I'm sorry if the fucking... fifth entry in the fucking franchise about bringing dinosaurs to life that don't look anything like real dinosaurs, and even though DNA has a half-life that would have been long, long gone, isn't fucking realistic enough for you. But the... Ooh. <laughs> bit defensive. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that, that's... but the, the previous, well, certainly the first film, is sort of grounded, at least, in some sort of scientific reality. It's got its oh, feet yeah. on the ground, where it's... Whereas you and and cloning the dinosaurs and creating new hybrids, I'm all right with that. But it was the like the dinosaur tiptoeing across a room and a Nosferatu shadow across oh, the back wall it. as it like pulls the bed sheets I, I down. I loved that. It's just fucking nonsense. I, I must admit, I thought the twist was going to be that the dinosaur had imprinted on her as its mother and was looking to um, oh. was looking to um, hmm. be like friendly to her uh and that never mm. came i i, I was she, is she there when it's young i can't even remember but no i love that because they, they they say point blank this thing is you you can't judge this against the original jurassic park because we've had jurassic park 3 since then we've had jurassic world since then and this is mm. a continuation of that we've seen raptors with human level intelligence fighting with mm. william h macy we've seen all sorts of cartoony bullshit in Jurassic World. And after that's happened, this film isn't particularly any more stupid or silly. Than but the way it's filmed, like the tone of it, what it's doing, is, is, it. Nah, it just feels like it's going from one thing to the next with no bridge in between. 
Oh no, I, I'm with Sol on this. I thought that tonally it was quite, yeah, well, very well done, and it it knows what it's doing. It's very conscious of it. I think this is a film that knew exactly what it wanted to do, and that was just mm. go for broke mm. and do something a bit crazy and off the wall. And I'm on board with that. I I mm. I hate like what we was what Calvin was just saying about how big, big tentpole blockbusters kind of start to feel a bit samey. It's because they pull their punches and they have to play it safe. And I loved mm. that this was a film that was just like, nah, fuck it. We, we don't have to do that. We'll do, we'll do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> we'll just do this mm. little mm. weird second film. And, and the third film it sets up as well. The ending of this film, mm. like, I know there's a lot of issues with, you know, things that are being set up there. But that final mm. montage of just dinosaurs running amok throughout the world, oh my god, I, lo- I was so in love with it. And I, I mean, a lot of that was leaked mm. to the world as like a pre... Uh, not the exact same footage, but like early versions of that. I remember seeing yeah, clips. Just like yeah. the surfers and there's that big... Um, oh my god, you know what I've just remembered? The entire mm. opening sequence. Oh, fuck me. That that opening scene oh, it's is brilliant, the, isn't it? That is one of the yeah. best scenes in the entire franchise. Do, how did you feel about that, Alan? You yeah. know the opening sequence where they're like digging up the bones from the yeah. from the uh, previous film and the out in the water, and it's just it's like pure it's gothic horror, but with Jurassic Park. Mm. Well, Alan, <laughs> I can't I can't remember that specifically. To be honest with you, I couldn't I couldn't say. Um, okay, yeah, big fan as well. I wasn't. Uh, I give this an 8 out of 10. I loved it. I would give it an 8 out of 10 as well. I gave it a 4. Mm. I mean, that's that's pretty good for Alan. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, not. <laughs> it, is, mm. it is my least favourite of the lot. I'm just looking at my... Uh... Alright, Incredibles. Mm. The long, long-awaited okay. 14 years in the making 14 sequel. years. I mean, not quite, but certainly... It does take a long time to draw all those pictures, though, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 14 minute uh, 14 hour what the fuck why why 14 years of gestating in Brad Bird's mm. head is what I was trying to say uh, mm. and he made a huge mm. thing about how oh you know I'm not coming back till I'm ready till I've got the right idea uh, I've got all these ideas that I'm mulling over I just need time to kind of put it together oh shit uh, Tomorrowland didn't do very well uh, Pixar do you want to hire me alright <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Andrew Stanton and John Carter, yeah. isn't it? It's the same thing. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, but there is an element of like, really, this is the big idea that you came back for. That this, mm. this is it. It, I don't know. It just kind of seems like the most obvious. Over, yeah, that's that's how you do a sequel to that film, sort of sequel. Mm. Um. And you know that's you know it is Pixar. They are very very good at doing what they do. And I mean, I think mm. this is a great film. I'm kind of being quite down on it. Um, I really. Well, it's hard when the bar well, is set it. so high. Yeah. It's difficult to not be slightly disappointed because yeah, if, I'm probably exactly the same again with you, Sol. Because I sort of came away from it feeling like really enjoyed the viewing and thought great action sequences yeah. especially like i love that whole starting bit with the yeah, underminer I mean, I, but yeah there's just something about it that i just came away like yeah, well. i mean I, you know i 
I I really liked it. I think this might well be my favourite animated film of the year. I'm still kind of mulling over whether I prefer this or Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which is surprisingly Mm. great. Um, But, Hmm. yeah, I don't know. I I mean, lest we forget, I think I gave the first Incredibles 9 out of 10, which is an incredibly high bar, Mm. uh, like you say. Mm. So, yeah, although I really enjoyed this, it... um, I don't know. It, it was a step down, I think, quite definitively. See, in the the first film, I was a little bit like, eh, about, like, I wasn't really convinced. Whereas this film, I think, was better than the first. I enjoyed it more. I think it was, it had a more, uh, it had a greater sense of what it was and what it was doing. And the storyline was a bit neater. Mm, um, that's very interesting that you think that, yeah. Because I, I would, I mean, I... I I think it's perhaps more grounded on a human level and more focused on the... Not that the first film isn't, but I think this is perhaps more about the dynamic between this family. Um, Yeah, maybe that's why. At the same time, I would say it feels messier and less neat than the first film. Not by much, but I I Mm. don't know. I think structurally and what have you, it's just... It just feels a bit more sequely, you know? Like, it, it's... So much of the mm. structure is born out of a film that existed beforehand. It doesn't quite stand on its own. and mm. There's a... Yeah, mm. I mean, it literally starts at the end of the first film. Yeah. Um, and, like, I couldn't really yeah. remember what had happened in the first one, so I was a bit... <laughs> like, for example, when it was all this whole thing about they discovering the baby had powers, it's like, well... Baby had powers all the way through the first one. What are you on about? But I realised they never knew yeah, that. Did they? I had that yeah. as well. I was like, well, no, but the end. I'm sure that they saw it, and then I guess yeah, maybe they didn't. They, it, it does depend on you knowing that first one. They very, see it very from well. a distance, and I think just you're meant to assume they didn't realise the baby done it when it fights the villain. Mm. Um. So mm. we've got. Uh, I, I guess two new main characters introduced. Uh, Bob Odenkirk voices one that looks like Bob Odenkirk, and hmm. the other one's voiced by who's the other one? Catherine Catherine, Catherine Keener. Keener yes, yeah. yeah. Um, now, 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 can I just say straight off? They introduced Bob Odenkirk's characters, and his name is Winston Dever. And I was like, that's a weird... That's like they're trying to say something Endeavour and it doesn't quite yeah. work. I wonder why that is. Mm. And then he goes, oh, this is my sister Evelyn. Or Evil Endeavour. Mm. That's her name. I wonder if she'll turn out to be a bad guy. <laughs> so, like, right from the beginning, I was like, well, she's going to turn yeah. out bad. Well, not... But, like, beyond that, she's just so blatantly the bad guy. <laughs> from, just, like, yeah, like, yeah. The, who's going to turn they... it? Because it's like, yeah, everything's going like, oh, we don't know who the bad guy is. It's yeah, the secret. It's, well, it'll be that it one is, then, won't it? It's so blatant. I was convinced, oh, was she's actually... Yeah, it's a double bluff. And it's actually Bob Odenkirk mm. who's pulling the strings and is the bad guy. And she is not. She's a good guy. No, no, no. Just <laughs> just a really obvious uh, twist. But yeah, I guess uh, on, on the cast of the film we're, we're also introduced to a, a whole cavalcade of uh, new superhero characters and I thought mm. these guys were great just a, a mix of brilliantly well not just very interesting powers particularly the the woman who makes portals that was so visual oh that was great a, a, yeah. you know such a Brad Bird 
thing <laughs> to do, mm. uh, but mm. to, put to such excellent use. Um, mm. And I, you know, I liked how dark this got for a kids' film. It, it gets genuinely quite scary by kids' movie standards when all the the parents and Frozone are being sort of possessed and mind controlled mm. and turn into like villain uh, villainy characters, and the kids have to step up and take over. I I, I liked all mm. that. I, you know, I, I thought it was a great film. I'm I'm being quite down on it. The action sequences were fantastic. Brad Bird is very, very good at what he does. Mm. Um, it's just not quite as good as the first, if you ask me. And I liked... I, li- I was worried from the trailer that it was going to be a bit like, oh, now it's the dad who has to look after the kids. Oh, comedy fodder. Um, and obviously <laughs> they did that, but they managed to do it in such a way that it felt very modern Real. and kind of... Yeah. yeah, it, right. yeah. It's and very It believable. wasn't like... Oh, he's never had to change a nappy. Yeah, <laughs> like it was. It was very twenty eighteen. You know, one mem- one character having all this success while the other one doesn't, and their their career kind of languished. Mm. I thought it was a very interesting. Yeah, yeah, and dynamic. It, it, there was def- there was definitely this yeah. element for Mister Incredible that it was like uh, like attacking his masculinity in some yeah, way. Yeah, I think yeah. there was definitely playing on gender, but. In a way that felt quite realistic, and he was like he knew, he knew that he couldn't really fall back on that. Like he had to yeah. stand up and prove himself in a different way. And and, yeah. and yeah. then at the same time, uh, Mrs. Incredible or whatever she's called, she she got we actually got to see her kind of often doing her thing on her own and like seeing her full bag mm. of tricks and stuff, and that was quite good. Yeah. Mm. Although I did think. They they're on this like campaign to make superheroes look good again and like give them good publicity and all that. So they send her off on a mission, and the first thing she does is drive a motorbike like the wrong way down a road like really fast. <laughs> it's like, that's not gonna do. That's just dangerous. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah so, um, but yeah, it was good to see her like just doing stuff on her own. It was quite cool. Mm. Um, what else was there? They got um, oh. You know the whole thing with the baby, right? And there was a scene with yeah. a, a sentient... Well, they're all sentient, but um, a personalised raccoon. <laughs> right, yeah. That was new, wasn't it? That felt very cartoony, very sort of child cartoony, which isn't quite what this, this franchise yeah, is. Yeah, I, I did think hmm. that now that you mention it. That's there's interesting. A, there's a yeah. point where it... Yeah. It's just because yeah, the, the raccoon right. was like... It was just one notch away from talking with like Sasha Baron Cohen's voice. <laughs> like it was yeah, just yeah. very, you know, it was very cartoony because it was so. I really like that scene though. Great scene. And the other kids felt like they were fine just sort of in the way a bit. <laughs> um, I in think the way, the third act. I think they really got to do their thing in the third act, and I think they were necessary. Uh, you know, in the earlier parts of the film to give the. Uh, the dad Bob yeah. something to to have to Bob. do because he's trying to you know deal with taking them to school and you know Violet mm. has a subplot with that boy um, yeah. don't know if that's handled as well as it might have been it felt a bit like a a reset button that, was that bit, felt like yeah mm. that really felt like just a teenage girl being overly dramatic but then it's like oh that is what they are actually <laughs> so that's probably what as a dad <laughs> that's the sort of bullshit you have to deal with I suppose yeah. Eight out of ten. Okay. Uh, it's eight out of ten from me. I gave it a seven, which is one up from mm. the first film. 
Yeah, that's very mm. good for an Allen, an Allen uh, score. That's very impressive. Yeah, All right. Okay, well, I think it's time for me to go away for a little bit. <laughs> All right, um, give me a shout. Give me a shout when you need me. <laughs> Bye. So, so thanks again, Chris, for joining us. Chris Hunter. Just making a distinction there in case we have any other Chris's on the episode, because <laughs> yeah. it may may or may not be the case at this point. We're not entirely yeah. sure. <laughs> okay, yes. So, Chris Hunter joining us. Now, Chris, we, we talked, you guest hosted our episode on Fantastic Beasts. I did. Uh, so, we will be talking about that in a minute. But let's first look at another film that you've seen, uh, okay. which was the sequel to Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's the one. Well, uh, what? How did you feel about Ant Man, Chris? So I take it you've seen um, well the first one, the first one, yeah. I actually quite enjoyed it. I thought it was a bit of a refreshing change because uh, ah, you're, you're in my school. This is great. This is brilliant. Yeah, I think things things were heading towards the stale end of stuff, and I think Ant Man kind of zhuzhed it up a bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I felt. I loved Ant Man. I thought it was a real, like you say, it, refreshing. Yeah, it, it gave me little... it gave me vibes from like Honey I Shrunk the Kids and that kind of stuff. You know, the yeah, good old days. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, and Alan, I think, hated it. <laughs> Thought it was just Ant-Man. more bland Marvel. Yeah. I was disappointed with it because I was kind of hoping for something a bit better. Mm. I, you know, I thought, oh, Paul Rudd, it's probably going to be quite funny, and yeah. I don't know. It just didn't. It just ended up being a bit similar to all the rest. Really, it was a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I I had very very high hopes for Ant Man and the Wasp. I was kind of hoping for, um, that sort of thing but without all the production issues so built from the ground up properly yeah mm-hmm. big special effects set pieces really exploring the concept fully mm-hmm. um yeah i, I don't know I, I was hoping for something better than that man and i loved that man um now this film got like really really good reviews actually most of the reviews said that's exactly what it was right i disagree <laughs> <laughs> Um, my my general feelings on Ant Man and the Wasp were that it was kind of exactly what most people are complaining about with Marvel. It felt very generic, just right. kind of I don't know, just sort of going through the motions. It had a lot of nice little touches in it, but you know, I I I think personally, it just really suffered from no Edgar Wright. I mm. I said in our Ant Man episode, I'm convinced Peyton Reed basically had like everything storyboarded from Edgar Wright and all this pre-production work and visualization on scenes and stuff and just kind of got to pick up everything Edgar Wright had done and that's why the film worked as well as it did for me right. this one just felt a lot more kind of generically put together i don't know just less inventive less fun and and you know there were some great little moments and comedy mm-hmm. set pieces but it, overall it just felt kind of messy to me the villain felt like a really messy concept and idea that wasn't quite thought through right i don't know i mean i enjoyed the film don't get me wrong it just it it really did feel like yeah this is just another chapter in the marvel mm. handbook and it's just kind of yeah. what what most people have been complaining about that i've been saying marvel haven't been doing but um big big larry turned up again <laughs> we, always, we always enjoy it when he pops in to a film out of nowhere. Yeah, he did. He did. Fishy Larry. I thought so. I was thinking Damien Lawrence Fishbone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or Larry Fishy. <laughs> you know, he'd probably knock you on your ass for calling him that. <laughs> Fishy Lawrence. But yeah, it was. I liked him. I liked 
the way he played it and all that. I always liked a bit of Lawrence Fishburne. Hmm. Um, did you like? Um, did you like Michelle Pfeiffer? <laughs> the Pfeiffer. Uh, well, that, that whole storyline just felt a bit too like. Well, I know exactly where where this is going. We know exactly how this is going to end. I didn't even. It, it felt so obvious. I was half expecting like, oh, she's somehow the villain or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I was expecting yeah, something yeah. more from it, and it didn't happen. And then when she came out of the the nether realm, face coated mm. in makeup, I was like, well, that. I mean, she's been down there for like fifty years. Maybe she's just been saving it until she gets back. But it. it for a, for a big occasion. Randall Park, you like him, Alan? Which one's that? He was like the comedy. FBI or whatever agent who was trying to learn magic oh, yeah, tricks. And stuff. Yeah, that was a bit of an odd. That 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 felt like uh, oh, we're supposed to have some comedy in here, right? This, yeah, this is sort of a <laughs> yeah. I, can, I quite like character. that guy. I gave it a six out of ten, which is exactly what I gave Ant Man. So yeah, pretty much as it was. But I didn't. I wouldn't. You liked Ant Man a lot more I than loved I did. Ant-Man. So mm. uh, yeah, it kind of just it worked as six. Yeah, it was just like yeah, I watched it. So. Yeah. Well, my most similar. I gave it a seven, which is like, yeah, it was solid, and I, you know, I enjoyed sitting through it. But I'm in no rush to ever watch it again. Um, yeah, I'm sure I will as part of some Marvel marathon. I'd probably go about a seven mark as well. I think, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it visually. I really liked what they did with it. I liked the uh, the style of everything when everything went really, really small. It looked quite cool. Yeah, um, I, you know, visually, I felt. Kind of going back to what I was saying about Edgar Wright feeling missed from it, I, I think it just visually felt a lot more like the choice of shots and that sort of stuff just felt a lot more pedestrian to me. And I, I do right. think that's just Edgar Wright not being there. But yeah, when they went into like the the mini world and you got all the tardigrade things swimming around, that was all cool. Yeah, it was a nice it was a nice difference. You don't see that kind of thing that often in films these days. Yeah. So um, and yeah. when they went when they went large scale as well, I like the sort of I enjoy like a good kaiju film. So it was nice to have that kind of element to it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I did love that. Yeah, I, I like the idea that it makes him really tired to do that as well. <laughs> yeah, the scene yeah, it's nice. of him struggling not to fall asleep, legit peril yeah. in a silly way. It was yeah, no, I, I liked all that. I, one of the things that really let me down was um, reading all the reviews. They they made a huge song and dance about the post credit scene and how it's like the the post credit scene that justifies Marvel con- as a right. concept, and it all it's <laughs> it was the- just Stanley <laughs> masturbating into a pile of money, and then we get there, and it was it was kind of like. They're sending him down into the the little realm, and I was like, okay, mm. so it is exactly what I thought it was going to be, and that they're all going to like vanish because Thanos has snapped his fingers, and then and then that happened, and he's yeah. trapped down there, which I guess is a nice little idea. Uh, Avengers Four trailer came out, Avengers Endgame, and Ant Man's not in the weird realm, so doesn't look yeah. Just knocks on Captain America's door, doesn't even look like it factors into the plot, so. <laughs> <laughs> Bit pointless. Yeah, isn't it? I'm very curious about that. I've no idea what the deal is there. Yeah. Ant Man and the Wasp. It was fine. Yeah, that's, it was yes. fine. That's thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, thumbs up. It was fine. That'll do. Seven out of ten. We've already spoken to uh, young Calvin about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, but Judy, I'd like to hear your opinion. I'd like Sol to hear oh, your opinion. I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> I can't believe you spoke to Calvin about it. Considering Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park is my favourite film, so. I have many opinions. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, ask me a question. I shall tell you no lies. 
get my get my fighting gloves. <laughs> well, come on, tell us no, how you felt please. about Fallen I, Kingdom. Alan's, Alan's drafted you in to fight. Yeah, because I could I could barely remember what happened in the film. So, well, hang on, I was I was present in the room when you guys were talking about Jurassic World, the first one, and I was giving Alan comments to say to you because I was disgusted at the shit that you were coming out with, Sol. What the fuck? No, it being a satire. Hang on, hang on, I mean, hang on. come along. <laughs> Hang on, so do you Behave. like Jurassic World? Well, hang, well, no. But it was better than Jurassic World 2. Like... Oh, but you do like The Lost World. I do like so The Lost World. I was appalled that you gave it a fucking a like about... 2 or 3 or whatever the fuck you gave it. it is... No, but it's dreadful. No, but it's not like, really. Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, but Everything Sol... that film should have been to begin with. That Sol... film done well. Sol... And then a Haunted House Sol... movie on the end. Sol... Like a bonus, Sol... bonus Haunted Sol... House. The dinosaur smiled. <laughs> I know. The dinosaur fucking smiled. Yeah. No. It was good, wasn't it? Bring it back Jeff fantastic. Goldblum and Vince Vaughn. Oh, it was and it's not fucking Judy, even Julianne Judy, Moore. Not. Judy, it's not a real dinosaur. They did bring back Jeff Goldblum. That's what they I mean. They literally brought no, back oh, Jeff come, Goldblum. No, right, no, that doesn't count. <laughs> what do you want them to bring him back or don't you? What? I meant, like, right. give me Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park Lost World over that any day. Give me Jurassic no Jurassic Park Lost World no, over not. Jurassic World. No. Yes. That's no, just, it's, uh, not. No, it's not. No, no, no. It's not. It was a blockbuster Judy. wank fest, and then the second one mm. put the wanky cherry on top. No, I, I mean, I agree. The first one the first one was a blockbuster wank fest. Yeah, Jurassic oh, World. Oh, and the second one Absolutely. wasn't? No, the second one was a real sort of right. Let's kind of just do something fucking weird without concern for. Whether it wasn't or not this trying is be to do marketable. something weird. You're doing the satire card again. It wasn't trying I'm to not, be weird. I, I, it was I, trying to be co- marketable. Are you kidding me? It was so. No, you, they hire. <sighs> you genuinely think they hire the director of the orphanage and let him make a film that is basically a European horror movie, and that's not on purpose. That's just by accident. If it had been knowingly kind of. Bit tongue in cheek about the cult or the whole it thing. Was. No, mm, soul. It's so soul. Was. There's a bit where they're you telling me they, they... in a oh, in a hang on in a mansion museum, and there's a guy lying dead on the floor, and then it gets pulled behind the thing. There is no way that dinosaur would fit behind that plinth. <laughs> Why not? Because it's fucking huge. He was soul. being sneaky. He was ducking I, I, that. I, 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 yeah. Oh, did it? Did a sneaky smile and then flicked his tail <laughs> and was like, "I'm gonna eat you." Well, what what have you got against a dinosaur having human intelligence by the fifth film? In the human franchise? intelligence had, doesn't make it fit behind had, a plinth. No, but it, it counts for it doing a sneaky smile. No. By the time we've had human the, dino- in- the raptors in the third one, and then the Indoraptor in the fourth one, I don't think it's that unbelievable that this one's going to be that smart. Uh, How smart do you no. have to be to smile? Like the bit where it's leaning over the bed and it like uses one finger to pull away her duvet. Oh, that was magnificent. <laughs> no, that was such no, pure... no. A that dinosaur would have smelt her and either eaten her or just put its foot down and crushed her. But the fact it's leaning over, like, oh, I can't touch her. It's I'm just a, going to pull the duvet back. Typical, it's not a typical dinosaur. You can't judge it by the same metrics you would judge the behavior of a T. Rex or a raptor by. It's a it's a it's a completely new being that's been made. Then it doesn't belong like... in a Jurassic World film. Okay, you, okay, you... all right, guys, guys, no guys. Man, stop, stop, stop. Come stop. No one's get up, get away from each other. Stop. All right, we've we, we established we no have different opinions, to... <laughs> and it's obviously not it's going anywhere. Shocking. So let's we've we've dealt with it. Okay. Well, hang on. No, hang on. So, what would you have given it? What would you have given Jurassic World two? We've already heard in this very. Well, I haven't. So tell me. 
Eight out of ten. Fuck off! Fuck off! I'm giving it a two! The reason I had to set you off on this was because Calvin agreed with him and he thought it was good as well. No! Calvin, I I had so much respect for you. No, no. I did. I have a lot of respect for Calvin. Alan, aren't I always lovely and complimentary about Calvin? <laughs> he likes you as well. So, we're going to cast our minds back a few, a few what, five months, something like that, to when... To when Calvin first abandoned us. Calvin decided to put his life before us. Um, and so we needed a new co-host. And, oh, it was and Judy oh was God. the first yeah, person to me. step into the fray. Even though it was Calvin who made us do Mamma Mia and then abandoned us. <laughs> and, then, and then subjected me to this, yeah. Okay, so Mamma Mia as a film was very successful. And so successful that they waited 10 years to do another one. None of us really liked Mamma Mia, did we? <laughs> so oh, well, I, was, was... I was defending it more than you guys because I thought it was harmless, um, you know, harmless fun, but not a great film. I like the ABBA. <laughs> I did like the said. ABBA. I do like ABBA. If, if I was to just listen to the soundtrack, I would have thought they'd recast every single role in the entire film because... I mean, one of our big bones of contention with the original film was the fact that nobody could sing. Are you implying that they're they're better in this competently? Film? I think the vast majority of the actors uh, returning from the first film were far better singing in this one, and I I, what? I assume I can't say I noticed any watching. Meryl Streep turned up to sing at the end, and like it wasn't. Embarrassing. Meryl Streep always could sing, though. The, the reason that she's not singing well in that first film, I and mean, we talked about this at the time, I think it's deliberate. I think they. But that's it. I, that's what I'm getting at. I think. I think you're right. I think watching oh, I this think film both, with a new wrong. director, this, I think the singing was. It wasn't great, but it wasn't. No, it wasn't embarrassing. Completely awful. the opposite. I mean, Meryl really? Streep, I, I didn't mind in the first one, and I, I didn't mind in this one. Take her out I of it. I thought she was fine Okay, in this but take one, her yeah. out of the equation. The All of all of the songs in the second film, apart well, from that one, well, were on, absolutely who... diabolical. Well, no, so let's ignore the... Because the, it's a prequel as well. There's loads of flashbacks. So let's ignore all the new cast members. Um, e- no, even the actually, returning. But who actually reprise like who actually does a song from the returning car so uh pierce brosnan does a um, bit of sos a reprisal of sos which is worked quite nicely but that's all like under his breath so he gets away with it <laughs> it's not just their singing though the reason i think it's different is because it sounds like in the first one they tried to do some of it where the music played and they filmed the singing live and actually i've seen some of the outtakes where meryl streep was singing actually... that yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen some of the outtakes where they were doing that, and it, they were uh, some of them were singing live. Whereas in this one, it sounds so kind of metronome, uh, polished, clunky. Yeah, I am it singing to a track. Yeah, and in. it's it's, but, it's shit. It re- you can really hear the difference. The first film sounded pre-recorded and dubbed in, and it was just bad. Whereas this sounds pre-recorded and dubbed in, but like they're kind of hitting the notes. And I think in a film like this, that's what you want. You don't want. It's not. This isn't a Les Misérables where there's a, a justification for having raw, but it's sh- powerful why emotion not do that? shining through. Why don't why don't you do it like that? Cheesy shit with Omid <laughs> de Jalili as the, <laughs> the, the inspector, passport inspector. There was just the problem was because it was pre-recorded. There's no power where there's meant to be power. There was no emotional weight where there was supposed to be emotional weight because they're clearly but it's just. Abba and... 
they're you clearly just get... no but it's not just ABBA the way they're doing it is they're meant to be making it into a musical and a plot uh, so it shouldn't just be I can sing this song that somebody else sang I thought that's what they were doing I thought they were just doing a crap plot and then arbitrarily dropping ABBA songs on it for no reason no no the first one is meant to be the songs are poignant I, I kind of resent this use of the word plot here <laughs> like what what is the plot in this film well no that's exactly my point it's part of the problem with this second one because the first one obviously they didn't they weren't in charge of writing the story it's a stage show it exists already the songs go through and kind of create the arc of a plot and it fits in with that this one felt completely shit because the songs don't fit the plot the the songs didn't really fit with what they were singing about it felt so shoehorned in and then the point is like the first one the songs are meant to reflect what's happening emotionally in the story and yet they didn't because they weren't handled emotionally they were handled like studio productions of songs but they they were handled like studio productions of songs in the first film. Just I, no, not to the badly. same extent. Not to the same extent at all. They were. You, you no, can't, they weren't. You can't honestly think these the original film handled its musical production the same way the likes of Les Misérables. No, no, no. Okay, no, I'm not Barbara saying. Barbara Streisand stars. No, born, not. Or... I'm, well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it did it better than the the second one. I, I disagree completely. I think the second one was a lot more glossy, which is what you're complaining about, but I think that's a good thing. I think that that is what you want in a Mamma Mia. If I was to summarise this film, I would say this is the film equivalent of Queen Greatest Hits 3, <laughs> where they they really were so scraping the bottom of the I've never heard of before. Like, all the best songs are on the first two, and it's like, fair enough, they missed a lot of the first one, they put a no. second one out. No, because... We, we, we open with... When I kiss the teacher, it's <laughs> a cracking song. All my friends at school, they had never seen the teacher blush. She looked like a fool. Nearly petrified, cause she was taken by surprise. When I kiss the teacher, couldn't quite Oh, it's it's not. Come it on, is. it's such B side. No, no, no. It's just like oh, what I is it. this? I, love I imagine being sat Abba in the cinema and all the middle-aged women going, "Oh, is it not just Abba songs in this one?" <laughs> no, that, no, middle-aged women. I love by the women's. I love that you made the middle-aged woman into Calvin. By the way, that impression. Um, but they all know those songs, and actually, they are my. I prefer those Abba songs. As I said to this, I said to you guys in the original recording, "One of Us" is a great song. Move on, kiss the teacher, kisses of fire. But my point is, these were all the songs I wanted to hear, and my heart broke when they shat all over them. You were so glad they put Waterloo in this one, I bet, as well. Oh my god. My, my, at Waterloo, Napoleon did surrender. Oh yeah. And I have met my destiny in quite a similar way. The history book on the shelf... Always repeating itself. Waterloo, I was defeated. You won the war. Oh Mama, at Waterloo, I thought I might surrender. That's my impression of the guy. That also ties into what I was going to say about this film as well, which is just that I hated the characterization of the young dads. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Colin I mean, Firth obviously was portrayed in the first one as being a headbanger, and like he, the point was he was meant to have changed, and here he was being this absolute wet blanket 
wearing a leather jacket and supposedly that's meant to be the same guy we saw in the photo from the first one and that just doesn't doesn't work for me i wasn't a big fan of the young characterization of anyone the only the only characters that felt consistently the same characters were her two mates the yes Uh, yeah and they were done quite well and they were done they were very good i thought the the actors playing yeah they had proper funny bits and stuff yeah yeah but she they were only they've obviously just got these guys in for about four days worth of filming meryl streep turned up for one afternoon I mean, they obviously didn't couldn't get them back properly, so they weren't putting the effort in. Do you think Meryl Streep was even on set? She was. She was green screened in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So in the first film, Judy had a insane fan theory that Colin Firth's character is supposed to be He's gay. Gay. Because at one point he stands near a man with no shirt on. No, um, that's was, not. And what so it I was is. waiting in this film for some other yeah, great gay gay evidence. I, and, no, uh, I have to there, I have to it? admit, yeah. I was looking for it too, and it wasn't here in this one. But I'm sorry, the it's definitely meant to be that Colin Firth is gay in the first one. But to be fair, there's nothing to suggest he's straight in this one either. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. It's just very ambiguous. Apart from that, he has a, a child with a woman. Well, yeah, and he's like, well, yeah, really, when he was younger, like, he's really into, but he's very like into it. It doesn't feel like he's going with the flow and like, oh, I guess you're supposed to be with women. It doesn't feel like that at all. It, that was the other thing as well, because in the first film, we get all this story about how she was like, uh, slept with these three guys, but she was totally in love with all of them. So it was like, totally fine. And then now we see it and it is just like her being a slut, basically. Mm. <laughs> so, just... Well, I never bought it in the first film. <laughs> I, I said in the first film, it's just weird. They've made a film out of like, a woman having a kind of mad three-day bender, which is, like, fine. Nothing against someone doing that at all, but it's an odd topic to to make a film out of and then act like it's... That's it. I just, I, it's the, it's it the trying to justify it with love that I detest. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I hate I'm all on board with people just fucking because it's great. Exactly. Exactly. The other thing that annoyed me about the plot is that the the the, the current day plot line is supposed to be like the oh the daughter has finally got the hotel sorted out and they're going to open the hotel. Blah, oh, blah, the blah. current day plot line was but bullshit. Oh, it was all over the but, shop, wasn't it? And then they're all they keep going about oh yeah this was Donna's dream and this is like she worked so hard for this. She never did anything. She lived there and did fuck all to it for thirty years. She no, finally no, 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 dies, no, no. and on. the daughter goes, right, no, now I'm in no. charge, I can sort this place out. She doesn't do nothing. The point is, she has a hotel that just keeps kind of, no matter what she puts into it, it keeps crumbling. It's like a colander. But what did, okay, so... She did. How she did they fix it? She walked it? around with a drill for half of it. Like, the point is that she used to have to do all the work herself. She didn't have a man around. It was just her trying to keep... Oh, so it works now going. because oh, yeah, she, she's married and she's got a man around. No, I'm not, so I'm not being... I'm not being sexist. Finally, a man to fix these things. Andy Garcia. They make these comments in the film. You know, she's like, uh, do you not remember that bit? She's walking around no. and she's saying, I don't, you know, I don't need a man to do this. I'm so glad this part oh, of my life Oh, she pretends over, the drills blah, blah, blah. are vibrate. Yes. There you go. You remember that bit. And that is not the noise it was made, so. <laughs> there isn't a story. Meryl Streep isn't willing to come back for a full amount of filming. Well, how can we write her out? Uh, she's dead. All right. Well, all right. That makes, that works. We can write, do something with that. They're all getting ready to mourn her. All right. Any conflict? No, no. no. She's been dead for no. a few years, so it's not a lot of mourning going on either. They've all sort of yeah, dealt yeah, with no, it. no real mourning. You know how the the husband's name is Sky, um, and that's not a real yeah. name, but let's deal with that. Um, then at one point she calls him, and there's a big close up on her phone, and it says Sky Mobile. Is that just like the worst <laughs> bit of product placement ever, or? <laughs> 
Like they they even named him that in the previous film to set it up. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. So... Shall we deal with Cher? Yeah, so she turns up. So her face didn't move. <laughs> well, yeah, Cher. What, I mean... Well, there you go. It's amazing how much it affects your singing voice when your top lip doesn't move, isn't it? But that, that to be fair, that's that character. Well, no, Is she didn't that. need to be in there. Why the hell did she turn up? She wasn't invited. I don't know. Nobody I, wanted I, I, her there, the... and she choppers in sings a song and has no impact on the plot at all. Yeah, but do you know that Cher is currently on a, a worldwide tour doing ABBA songs? No, but I mean... She's is doing it because sense. of this film or during Probably, this Probably, yeah. Well, there's a, well, she's doing a tour called Cher, Here We Go Again. It's like her doing ABBA covers. So this was her way of launching back into a career. Yeah. Well, either that or it was just a huge coincidence. Well, look, right? I I agree. It's It's... Bullshit cameo for the sake of it, contrived, doesn't really make any sense. It it works as well as any of this film. Yes, and that's because the whole film is bad. Well, yeah. There you go. So was the first one. No, the first one's better than this. No, I don't think it is. Well, I disagree. <laughs> Tell you what, the, the biggest improvement for me is I just thought it was directed better. We, we complained about oh how the first one felt like it was shot on a studio set. This felt like it was shot on an actual island. I assume no. it's the same location. It no. did! No. <laughs> so, you've watched them in the wrong order. You know this one's the prequel. The first one felt like someone who didn't know how to make a film had been given a load of money to make a film. This one felt like a hired gun had come in to produce something competently. And I prefer the second. Did you not agree? I, I know Alan definitely agreed that the first one was shot really badly and it yeah, felt like really a weird. It wasn't, it wasn't particularly shot well, but this second one out. is worse in every single way. Oh, Directing, <laughs> acting, singing, producing, shooting, it's, all of it. No, it's not. It's, it's not. Everything about it is worse. Well, no, your your complaints about the singing is that it's too good and that you didn't like no, how No, it's not too good. It's bad. It but the way it's been produced is that it's clinical and it's auto-tuned, and it's is no heart in it at all. There is no point in having an emotional story with your songs, which is what they're meant to be there for, when when they're shite. Alan, I want you to weigh in on the cinematography in this one. <laughs> did, did you feel like well, it was a I didn't, overlit? I, if anything, I barely set. even thought anything of it in this film, so that's better than the first film, because the first well, film that's was it. weirdly I, bad. I was only aware of it because I was so aware of how badly it was done the first time round. I thought, for the most part, most of the musical numbers actually felt like proper no, performed Sol. musical number pieces in this. In How the first are you film, getting this so wrong? In the first film, most of my com- one of my complaints was that uh, so much of it felt like that thing some musicals do, and I hate it, where they kind of can't be bothered doing a proper choreographed sequence, and it's just sort of like, oh, I'm off in my head imagining stuff, and that's bullshit. And what you want is like in the first film, when all those men in flippers turned up and did a proper no. song and dance sequence. And that this second film felt way more like that bit from the first film. Yeah, which was contrite and ridiculous. I See, I liked the first one in that it felt like the sm- the songs were smaller scale, and it was to do with what the characters were actually doing. So, like, some of the songs, the beginning of Dancing Queen was, like, the two friends, and they were dressing up in some of Donna's outfits, right, trying to cheer Meryl Streep up. And it was all choreographed to do with the domestic being in the home, being intimate. Whereas everything 
like everything in this one you know donna's go straight into donna and the dynamo and let's say kiss the teacher and suddenly all of her friends and all of her teachers are doing pirouettes and throwing things in the air and doing a whole flash mob number but it did that for like every song well in the in the first film half the time it's like a performative we're doing a performance of the song half the time it's like it, it, yeah it, and i like that because it changed between diegetic and non-diegetic and all that sort yeah of stuff. and it worked for me that worked like at the hen party when they're all singing voulez-vous around her and it's a hen do it doesn't have to be the same as the mother daughter slipping through her fingers that's a very you know <laughs> it's just an odd thing to it's the sort of thing i would complain about that's that's what i'm getting well, there you go so <laughs> and it doesn't even don't know what me. your point is well the point you're... is it worked a lot better in the first one because it felt like it was being handled with deliberate style whereas in the second one they went for a blanket wash of let's make it a spectacle just like every other fucking film in the cinemas at the moment and it was shit i pretty much exhausted my opinion on it now so alan why don't you say something <laughs> before i kill soul I, I i well can i just quickly point out like this isn't me being counter opinion here at all i'm very much the mainstream opinion on this one and you're being against the grain just just for the record but yeah alan what's your what, uh, ha- sorry so i'm i'm you're being mainstream on the film that you brought me in to have a woman's opinion <laughs> on because it's a film based at women apparently we so. did not bring you in congratulations we brought you in to have your opinion no hang on hang Stop on if you listen back to your gender. first yeah you might if you listen about it guys you said it on your first episode. You said we brought Judy That's, in to have a woman's opinion. That was our sarcastic, postmodern, heteronormative <laughs> My look. My point at is, the... it's there. Sometimes we like to lampshade how things might be perceived <laughs> by an audience by saying it, even though it's not actually... That's the same way we pretend that we're all white. But Sol, I don't think you should take pride in being the mainstream opinion when not, all I'm, of the opinion, <laughs> all I'm... of the people who enjoyed this film, <laughs> I don't respect their opinions, <laughs> and it was mainstream. Well, no, I mean, just so... All right, that's enough. IMDb that's enough. Stuff. It doesn't matter. We've, we've right. dealt with it, okay? It's all right. We'll <laughs> Alan's like, what have we done? Hang on, right. Should we look at the Rotten Tomato critic ratings? Yeah, go on. How much do you think the first film has? If you were to guess. 54. Oh, that is remarkably close. Alan, want to take a step? Thank you. 55. He's, he's done you, dude. He's done you. It's, it is exactly 55. Oh, you gave him a clue! Fuck off! 1-0. <laughs> I think, no, I'm, I'm impressed with Judy there for, like, nearly doing that. Um, Thank you. How, how much do you think the second film's got on Rotten Tomatoes? I have a, I have a horrible feeling it's going to be 63, but it deserves 37. <laughs> Alan? Uh, 91. <laughs> I can tell you now, the second film is 80% certified fresh. What? Alan, please tell me this is a shock. Please tell me that we I'm not abnormal. You think the same as me. Okay, here's, here's the thing. Let, let me give you my ratings. I gave this second film 4 out of 10 because it's a bad film. Yeah. I gave the first one 2 out of 10 because not yes. only was it a bad film, but it actually angered me. Whereas this one was just yeah. a bad film, and that was the difference for exactly. me. This one angered me. The first one just annoyed me because it felt like it was just being deliberately manipulative this one, and shit. Oh, this one was no. just it seemed a bit shit. Yeah, that was exactly how I felt. Okay, well then I take it back. I am the anomaly, but I'm giving <laughs> this one. A, I'm giving this one a two. <laughs> what wow. did you give the first one? Like six. Really? That's yeah. Wow. I gave the first one a five. A very generous five. Didn't really. I think you know it's between a four and a five. Really. Uh, I gave this one a five, but it's a much more solid five, <laughs> and I I do think this is the superior of the See, two. See, in which co- in but which case, Sol, in your rating 
Not only does not match your opinion, but your rating is far more tolerable and palatable than Alan's. Alan, how have you ended up being the wanker in this? <laughs> you said nothing for most of the analysis, and you come away with the one sounding like a chump. <laughs> I stand by it. I, I, look, I, I do think it was a significant step up from the first film in pretty much every oh. regard. I don't know. I wouldn't say a significant step up at all, but... You think it's twice as good as the last one, Alan? You oh. gave it a four. Yeah, but that's because it was directed by a man, so I just gave it two extra points just to... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's just because my, my scores reflect cultural bias. <laughs> you are a cad. Let's move on, and we're, we're going to step away from you for a while, Judy. We're going to go back to talk to some more films. Thank God I can take a rest. We'll be back. We'll be, we've got we've got some films to talk about. Just just me and Saul. So we needed some alone time. So, so hang on. You're so hang on. You're gonna with. you're gonna sandwich your ones in the middle of my ones so that yeah. I can't leave. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really neat. Well, just go 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 and watch go and watch Mamma Mia two that you got for Christmas for <laughs> like an hour, and we'll we'll call you we'll call you in from the other room when you when you need it. I'm not watching that film again. <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, we move on to Mission Impossible. I just watched this the other day. Didn't see it in the cinemas. Mm. Did you? No, I I, I watched a screener. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot you were in the industry now. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the f- uh, okay, Mission Impossible. It's been going a long time. They do, I w- and even with this film, I enjoyed it. I think they managed to keep it fresh. They keep managing to bring new... Or, or at least bringing enough new blood into it to keep it going. And I generally enjoyed this film. Where, where did you fall? The franchise in general, I've never been a big fan. I've always found... I know they're quite popular with a certain kind of person. Um, yeah, I I don't know quite what happened. I genuinely enjoyed this one. I thought this was the right amount of balls-to-the-wall action stunts with Tom Cruise just going mm. for it. I, I thought there was enough... It just felt like it finally clicked for me. It finally all came together to the level I need it to be at for me to enjoy this sort of thing properly. Such an exposition-heavy opening. like It was oh God, yeah, not yeah. a great start. Because obviously all the films and the whole Mission Impossible thing is you start with a little tape going, oh, this is your mission, and it explains it all. But it was like 12 minutes long or something. It was just, And it yeah. was just so heavy exposition. Yeah. Plus, then there was quite a lot of reliant on the previous film, which they don't. Yeah, usually they do. haven't really done that. Before, and I, but yeah. I mean, we. When did we watch that? I couldn't remember it. It was about four months ago. We watched those films. Yeah, I, I, I didn't remember, remember anything. it much. But it didn't. It didn't get in the way for me. I still, you know. It did at first for me, and but then I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm all on board. That, that I remember the bad guy. I recognise his face. I can't remember what he did or what he was there for. Yeah, but yeah. he's the bad guy. I get it. And and I I still think it's a real real shame that the franchise isn't doing what it used to do, which is let's get some interesting directors in, new one every fra- you know new one every film, see what they bring to mm. it. At Having said t- that, though, at the same time, this was really well directed. And it was. Wasn't it's it? probably my favorite one of the bunch. I I gave this one a seven. It's the yeah. first time I've like properly enjoyed one of these films. Um, mm. And yeah, well, it, I, it, I I, it. it was it was somewhat shockingly well directed. I thought, yeah, it, was, it really was, wasn't it? Not just, I mean, the action scenes were excellent, and for someone who's not really a big appreciator of action scenes, they were sublime. Yeah, R- remarkable job. And then there was some really weird choices. Like there was quite a few bits where there was like a lot of non-diegetic music, where it was just like we would see the scene, but then there would be music playing over the top of it, uh, not really contextualized, and it was it was like they. 
accidentally wiped the sound files from the f- scene they were shooting. They were like, oh, let's just sort of do it under some oh, music and make mean. it look yeah, yeah. arty. But it kind of worked. It, but it felt really incongruous and out of place, but also just felt like they were being kind of cool and kooky about yeah. it. Yeah. It was an, it was odd, but I didn't not like it. Mm. But it is the sort of thing that this, the Mission Impossible films have always done well. Like that whole... Yeah. The helicopter sequence of the two helicopters oh, and they're falling off the cliff and all that. Yeah, it's paced really beautifully. Yeah, I never got yeah. bored. And and you just end up with a a big a fight scene atop a the top of a mountain or a cliff edge or whatever it is. It's very conventional stuff, but it's just done really well. And it's really it's a testament to it that you know exactly what's going to happen. You know yeah. Ethan Hunt's going to win the fight. You know he's going to save it with two seconds left on the clock. But you're still engrossed, and and it's like that's the kind of where the Bond films think they are. Um, we haven't got to them yet, but I think the the Pierce Brosnan ones that's kind of the level they were working at. Yeah. That kind of just really well done action set pieces. Yeah, engrossed in a story, even though you know exactly what it's doing. Yeah, yeah, very nice bit of work. This this felt like what people get out of the Bond movies yeah. to me, but obviously I've only seen up to Octopussy, so I haven't seen anything done with anything close to the amount of skill or gusto on. There was something it. about this that felt. Quite 1998, you know, it had that yeah. feel to it. Yeah. Not in, the, in terms of the quality of the, you know, the graphics and all this. Not, not that it was all top-notch stuff, but just in terms of the 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 feelings, be, the not feelings behind it, but the 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 thrust behind it of like, what are we trying to do? Show some cool action set pieces. Uh, it's kind of like when Fast and the Furious, like always, in those sort of four film films, they were like, yeah, we're going to do old school stunts. We're going to drive cars down the road. We're going to flip them over and make them smash. It's just so it's so much more grounded and real. This has that feeling to it. I know there's a load of CGI in there. We're getting to a point where it's starting to be seamless. There's enough of a blend between real and and computer generated that, that just looks so beautiful. Like I believe that Tom Cruise is hanging off a helicopter. Well, I mean, the other thing is, yeah, these are films that are renowned for, and I think very well known for. The real stunt work, a lack of yeah. CGI. I mean, I, I, what you're saying is true. We are starting to approach that point where CGI is completely flawless. But I think the reason it works so well here is because Tom Cruise does seem to have a weird death wish with Mission yeah. Impossible. He does seem to just want to go out dying in a big stunt for one of his films. And, and you know, the, the scene that comes to mind, I suppose, is the one where he breaks his ankle, like, visibly on, on screen in this film. <laughs> and, and you can see it happen, and he's still... Like, he's such a pro, he, he just keeps going. But it, it comes across, <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, that looked painful. And, do you know, it, it really... The film gains a lot from that, and that kind yeah. of attitude towards making it. I'm surprised at how much I enjoyed it. 7 out of 10. Yeah, I give it a 7 as well. But a really high commended 7. Yeah. If you're into that sort of film, then oh, yeah, you, yeah, you're yeah. well on board with that. Yeah. Right. Okay. What's next? Let's have a look. Uh, the Nun. The Nun. Okay, yes. I just watched this yesterday, I think it was. You poor man. Uh, Scare, scary. Not scary at all. Did you, sleep, did you sleep well last night? I slept like a baby <laughs> because I had no fear of anything. <laughs> because this film did not work on that level. So, you're not a big fan of these films at the best of times. I'm not a horror guy, really. Yeah, yeah. You know. and especially not like spooky haunted house jump scare horror. With ghosts, yeah, exactly. It's, I just think it's cheap. Basically. But I think you were fairly respectful of the Conjuring 
and The Conjuring yeah. 2. I think you kind of said it's not really my cup of tea, but I can respect that it's done about as well as you could hope yeah. for. Yeah, and with, with both of them, I think I preferred Conjuring 2, but with both yeah, of them, it was like the first them, half of the film is quite an interesting character story, and then it's like, ooh, ghost, woo, and yeah. it sort of ruins it at the end. <laughs> because it actually becomes real ghosts, and that's what yeah. loses it for me. And I, and I was, you know, I, I was quite positive about them again, saying, you know, for the kind of film it is, about as good a job of it as you could hope for. Uh, a lot of good innovative interesting stuff and designs and ideas being played with well directed um all out the window here uh, <laughs> yeah. like annabelle creation was even good or annabelle origins or whatever it was yeah. called the little spin-off so i thought I see oh, that one. maybe they're really um locking in on creating this you know universe and they've really kind of they're going to make an effort to make them all really good no nope. <laughs> no <Nope. laughs> uh the nun is a load of shite <laughs> Absolute fucking bullshit. Uh, mm. Just, just every sort of cliche of these films. Not scary, boring. Just so, so dull, interminably dull. And then at the end, it kind of bends over backwards to tie it into the other films far more than necessary. Mm. Uh, with a weird sort of cameo from the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Well, the uh, the main woman, Tessa Farmiga. I quite liked her. She seemed fine. I wouldn't mind seeing her in something else. Yeah, that's really all there is to say, isn't it? Yeah. What do you give it? I gave it a four, which I think is quite generous, actually, now I'm talking about it. I also give it a four. Mm. So we're in agreement. Next up, we've got The Predator, the latest in a long line of Predator film. Well, three actual Predator films, isn't there? But a long line no, in the. Wait, there's four. There's, there's four. been quite a bit of time between each one. Hmm. <laughs> But it's Shane Black, uh, writing and directing. Yeah, so we were a bit optimistic about this, but or not, (laughs) but how did you feel? Uh, Well, this this film's been completely slagged off, run through the uh, whatever the phrase is. People don't like it. Uh, I'm continuing the trend of 2018, where I've been enjoying everything. I I. Genuinely, I do not know what people want from a Shane Black Predator if it's not this <laughs> film, because this this is what this is what Predator is, and I I've spoken to people who say, oh, it, it was too silly, it had too much of a sense of humor, but I think those people don't mm. understand how much of a piss take the first film was. The first <laughs> film has such a sense of humor about what it's doing. And I, I, I thought this film was pitched perfectly. I, I've heard complaints saying it's too much like a Marvel movie with its jokes. I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think the sense of humour was anything like No, I like wouldn't a say Marvel that. I would think movie. it's a very different tone of humour. It is yeah. humour, yes. But so, as someone who says Marvel does everything the same, uh, this felt different. Yeah, a different tone. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed it. It was silly, but it's a film about aliens coming to Earth and hunting them like prey. And So of course it is. It knows it's silly. That's like you couldn't make a you couldn't make a predator film that isn't silly. You could just make a predator film that doesn't acknowledge that it's silly, and then the doors open for you to point and laugh at it. Whereas this film's kind of openly aware of what it's doing, and so you kind of go, "Yeah, fine, cool." So I really liked it. Um, don't know, don't know how you felt about it. I'm kind of falling in the middle here. I'm not quite sure how I feel about it because. I enjoyed a lot of aspects aspects of it, 
but there was quite a few bits where I was just like this. It felt like a script out of date. It felt like a 30-year-old script or a 25-year-old script, maybe, that was sort of tagging on all these elements that you just don't really see anymore. I don't know if that was a deliberate harking back, but because it, but then it didn't sort of, it wasn't an obvious like, hey, I'm doing a 90s film. <laughs> and, and so I just didn't know quite where to sit with it. Just for example, the boy being autistic and that mm. that's some sort of like magic autism powers that means he can do all these things. It's that is such a like nineteen ninety eight kind of yeah thing to do. Um, I mean one one of the major problems I think the the main the main character our main protagonist yeah. whatever his name is very the bland. Actor, I mean we're talking Jeremy Renner bland. I mean really bland, <laughs> especially in a in a film full of character. Well, I was going to say he's he's got so many big big personalities around him i think it doesn't matter too much you've got keegan michael key you've got olivia munn you've got um uh jake Busey coming along <laughs> yeah, as son of the amazing. well implication being he's the son of the character from predator 2 played by his dad which i loved well that main so... guy he gets stuck with this ragtag bunch of like military misfits mm. And they're all these big characters because they're all they're all been like put on this bus because they're a bit mental, and that was like another thing. Like all these characters are like, okay, what bit of mentalness are you gonna have? Um, and it wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't handled very carefully. Or well, I, like, I've, I'm, I've I think seen. that's deliberate. I think it's just like, hey, we're gonna play these big. But yeah. having said that, it wasn't. It also felt like actors doing. Making a genuine attempt to display a particular yeah, well, mental illness, albeit in a very Hollywoody kind of way, it felt sincere. Yeah, but this is not a film where you're going to get a deep, insightful look at mental yeah. illness. It's a film where the mentally mental characters are going to pick up a gun and, and shoot people. And I, I, I was just about okay with that. I think it, it just fell on the right side of it. Yeah. I felt that the actors were doing it respectfully. Even if it was being played for laughs, it was kind of in a way. Yeah, that I don't. I don't think it was ever were, making fun of people with disabilities. Yeah. It was kind of saying it was all. It was more like a sense of God. Doesn't it suck when this happens to us guys? Eh. Oh, this this is a little insight of what it's like to deal with this condition. It, it felt more like that, if if that makes sense. Yeah. Than mocking. It's one of those things where I don't know enough about it either to kind of go, I'm sure that's a sensitive portrayal by that middle-aged, middle-class white guy. <laughs> you know, yeah, that sort. Yeah. So it's kind of a, but uh, I mean, I was okay with it, but it, it definitely sort of raised a few questions. Mm. And, you know, Thomas Jane, I haven't seen him for 15 years, never <laughs> mind seen him do good acting before. So that was interesting to see. My other sort of big thing, which again fell out of date, was how happy and eager the everyone was to be killing things. Um, both good guys and bad guys were just brutally murdering anything they could get their hands on. The the main the main character, our hero, at one point talks about how fun it is to kill people. Um, the the woman in it, the basically the only woman character, she's like a biologist. She's not military trained at all. As soon as things kicks off, she picks up a space gun. She's she's ready to go. Even the kid kills someone, doesn't he? A bit too kill happy. <laughs> for, for well, me. again, it's a predator film, and I think yeah. Shane Black knows. But these having a are having a kill crazy character makes sense. But I think you need one that isn't as well. I, <laughs> you I need know at least you, one person going. Saying, Do we have to I, kill everyone, guys? 
It feels to me like a spiritual continuation of let's just fire the guns into the forest for 20 yeah. minutes in the first film. And I think that's okay. And I, I loved it when that kid put on the Predator mask thinking it was a Halloween costume and then shot that guy in the house for <laughs> being a dick. I thought that was hilarious. And I get, like, yeah, if that happened in real life, it would be very unpleasant and tragic. But it's a stupid film about an alien killing people. So a bit of dark comedy about a kid accidentally killing someone, I'm all for. I think tonally that fits within the Predator franchise and you don't have to feel too bad about it. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, 8 out of 10 for me. I liked it. Um, I Yeah, I enjoyed it, but I was kind of a bit... I wasn't quite sure where I was with it. It didn't. It just didn't quite hit everything, but there were definitely elements I enjoyed. I give it a 6. Alright, fair. Okay, so now it's time we need to go back to, to Judy. Judy, you can come back in now. Hello? Oh, that was such a refreshing break. Thank you. <laughs> we're, Hello? we're moving on to a film now. Hopefully, I'm hoping to God that you two won't argue about it. <laughs> well, I, I can't promise. I've got strong I've got the emotional energy to deal films. with. I'm probably, I'm probably going to be mediating between you two on this one. Is it Johnny English? <laughs> we're dealing with Johnny English Strikes Again. Judy, you weren't here with us when we talked about Johnny English before, so quick, give us a quick sort of view of your opinion on the first two Johnny English films. I really liked the first Johnny English film. I watched it when I was quite a bit younger, and it was just really good fun. It was a nice spy parody. I, I knew a lot of the James Bond films anyway. So I liked the first one. second one was watchable and fun, but not nearly as good. Thank you, um, Judy. Thank you. You're welcome, Saul. Because the- these guys <laughs> were all like, oh, the second one, what an improvement. No, uh, what are you talking I, about? Well, I give them both the same rating, so I think it was not that much of an improvement. I prefer. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think. I think I just preferred the third one to the second one. However, the third one had some very low moments in it. Well, that's part franchise staple, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I did actually prefer. I laughed out loud in the cinema. It I felt disgusted with English myself. Film. What did you laugh at? Hey, look, right. I laughed out loud in the office at work when I was watching a screener of this film, so imagine (laughs) how I felt. (laughs) (laughs) There were little moments that I just... A lot more... It it made me laugh a couple of times, it did. Yeah, not the big comedy sequences, because I think they were just painful, but some of the little throwaway moments, I was like, oh, that was good. Nobody really wanted the sequel, and it felt like nobody who was making it really cared either. And it was just like, oh, let's just... I do wonder why it got made. I really do wonder why it got made. blast this out and go home. I think I think Rowan Atkinson does really care about these, and I think it's kind yeah, of sad. But, but I do get the impression he's really like. But you've also, I mean, that ties in with the conversation you were having about Rowan Atkinson in your main episode, which is where you were saying like he's the kind of guy that, well, you know, you have to drop the trousers in a certain way to get the laugh, mm. and he kind of really polices the comedy. So it does, you know, it's not surprising to me that he would have invested a lot of time into this, even though we see it as crass comedy. He probably yeah. holds it on a pedestal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they still haven't worked out what they're doing with Boff. I yeah. liked that Boff came back, though. I loved Ben Miller as Boff. I mean, I, I must I mean, say they made certain... him more of an idiot in this one. But yeah, I think that was better, though. I think it worked out. You know, well, that was it. They they still haven't worked out, though. They still haven't worked out what Johnny English is. Is he a total tosser, exactly. or was he a spy out of time? Like, because the whole point no, of this film not meant was know. that he's an analog spy in a digital world, and that's to his advantage. But it's also played that he's a dick. 
But otherwise, there's a risk that he's an unlikable character if he's an absolute tosser. He is an unlikable character. He's, not, he's, no, a, no, you, he's an arrogant he's dick. He's an incredibly unlikable character. But you have to root for him, so they have to keep it ambiguous. He's, he's Look, if he was just a buffoon, we could get behind him, right? But he is an arrogant, selfish, rude buffoon, and he's not a likable character at all. I mean, there's something very akin to the British Empire to me, like that Gordon British character where you like his buffoonery, but you don't root for him. Shall we Shall we talk about the worst villain in the history of film villains? Hang on, wait, no. who's the well, villain? Well, the blandest villain. Oh, the, ov- the obvious villain. No. The obvious one. The yes. worst vi- he's not even the worst villain in this franchise. <laughs> what? Why? No, the, uh, the worst from the blandest Dominic villain West. on Earth in the previous film. Oh, Dominic West. But there's nothing there. There's nothing there. He's, yeah, he's I mean, the look, young he, he was... tech guy. It was so yeah. obviously going to be him. He's yeah, so two D. Yeah. The villain no, was, I, I think, personally the weakest thing about this film. Uh, I thought it was an interesting enough new flavor to make the series feel, you know, vaguely interesting. And I, I it felt like a mix, mix. It felt like a missed opportunity mm. if they'd cast someone good. No, I don't want to. I don't want to blame the actor either. I don't think it's necessarily a bad actor. It's just a oh, completely no, it wasn't a bad performance. boring character. But also, it has been so done. The tech thing has been so done. My, my point is, Johnny English isn't breaking new ground and never once has been breaking new ground. And I wouldn't expect it to suddenly start breaking new ground in the third film. But just just write a character. Give him a personality. Give him something to do. Rather than just having, but, oh, here's a person. It may as well have been a cardboard cut out of Ted Danson. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What you got against Ted Danson? <laughs> <laughs> Look, right, in the first film, Pascal Savage is not a particularly interesting character. What? Until, oh, he's hilarious. Until he's he's the cast, best villain. Until you until cast, you John, cast John Malkovich. But also give him permission to do it in a, as a cartoon character. Yeah. Whereas this film is no longer playing to that rules. I agree. And so my point is, this third film, if they'd cast someone better or more interesting than this guy, no disrespect to whatever his name is, because he's not doing a bad performance but if they cast someone and give you know steve buscemi and said just do what you want with it it would have probably been really interesting they should have cast me a pascal sauvage oh it's it's scottish no it's not scottish who is it it's french sean connery <laughs> stop french french john malkovich <laughs> that french give it to daniel radcliffe Put him in what? Some, put him in some weird makeup and tell him like, no. this is your chance to show you can do like big character comedy. Just fucking go for it. Yeah, in, the in a fat suit. See what he does. Yeah, put him in a fat suit with big hairy hands. No. <laughs> See what he does. Anyway, I'm Turn sick of Johnny English now. We haven't talked about it. Well, it's exactly the same as the but, others. Have you got anything else to say? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I think it was, if anything, it was slightly worse, but it was not a huge difference. It was just felt like watching the same crap again, yeah. I have a soft spot for the first one. It's not great. The second one, I think, is a step down. But oh, no, I think the first similar. one's pretty good. I, like, look, I, I think, like I say, I have a soft spot for the first one. Yeah. If, I, if I'm trying to be objective about it, I don't think it's good. And I think deep down, Judy, you know it's not good no, no, as no. well. I think, <laughs> no, I think the first one is good as a one-off parody spoof. And that should have just been it. And I would mm. happily give that film a 7 out of 10. Um. The second one, the second one I would give a 5, maybe, or a 4. 
but yeah, I still I mean, enjoyed yeah. watching it. I'm not yeah, going to watch and, it again and, I, and again and again. And I, I'm very similar to you there. I I think the third one was better than the second one, not yeah. as good as the first one, but they're yeah. roughly very, very close to each other. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. They're not, they're not opposite ends of the scale, are they? And I would give it a six, the third one. Yeah, that's fair in, enough. In a kind of in a kind of good on them for trying kind of way. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. If I, I gave it a five. I gave you the previous two a six, so that's a bit of a step down, but not huge. Yeah, for me it goes six five six. So, so I mean, the way I feel about the Johnny English three is the way I felt about the first Mamma Mia. So that's there you go. So what did you about give right. it then? Probably a six. Did it do well? It didn't. It it didn't take a lot of money, did it? Is there going to be another one in eight years? Oh God, no! They should. They should stop. This was in no way a conclusive ending, was it? No, I, but I I oh. can't imagine it cost them very much to make it. So I reckon it probably did make a healthy profit, and I bet these films do really well internationally. I, I reckon, you know. Yeah, probably. So, uh, Johnny English, pretty much what we expected. Moving on. Yeah, Judy, you can piss off again for a bit. All right. <laughs> Halloween. Ding dong. <laughs> oh, hello. Who's that at the door? Hello, it's me again. Are you trick-or-treating? It's Brighouse Bond. <laughs> <laughs> trick-or-treat. Oh, Judy. Judy. Oh, well, you guys have got everyone here. This is a real uh, New Year's Eve party. <laughs> so, you you weren't on our Halloween episode. No, I, mean, I you wasn't. you were on the one we did a while ago. Yes, yes, yes. So, you missed our thoughts and opinions on the, the many, many sequels. I know that Alan didn't like H2O. <laughs> yeah, I, I think neither of us particularly liked any of the sequels. Nobody likes it. I do! <laughs> it would be in my top 50 favourite films of all time. That's just... I mean, fine. It, it would be in my top 50 favourite Josh Hartnett films. <laughs> it might just make my top 50 of 1998, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> God. Well... Anyway, that was my, that probably my favourite film of the franchise, and certainly the last good one with Jamie Lee Curtis in it. So, very, very excited for this new one. I actually went to the cinema to see this one. Uh, one of my few cinema wow. trips this year, because I was that excited. The horror franchises are doing this quite a lot now. Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre does it, where they just keep bringing out sequels, but it's always to the original film and never yeah, just... Yeah, I mean, all, all the good franchises are kind of just, like, keeping with the old continuity, but a lot of shit horror franchises are just doing oh. this thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come, come now. But yeah, Alan and I, we're not big fans of this franchise at all. I'm I'm not a fan. I love horror, but I do not like slasher films for whatever reason. Um, don't don't find them very interesting. Don't find them scary. When it's just a guy with a knife, it's like you can fight back. Uh, that's not scary, is it? Yeah, it's not even horror for me. It's got to be spooky ghost stuff for a horror. This is just a thriller. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I was... I was intrigued by the fact that this was David Gordon Green and um, mm. Danny McBride. I was definitely interested by that. Um, I thought they were going to bring a new spin on it, maybe. I, I can't find anything to suggest this is true online, but I think this might just be me being ahead of like the internet. Um, <laughs> you, you know in the that. film... <laughs> well, you know, you know in the film when 
they they go into a um it's like a shop is it or a petrol station or something hmm. there's a bit where someone asks the guy behind the counter if they can use the bathroom that's danny mcbride's voice dubbed in right oh where's the new excuse me bathroom it's out that way around the back i have no idea uh, I didn't pick up on it specifically. No, I don't, it sounded exactly like him. I thought, oh, that's Danny McBride's cameo dubbing that line of dialogue in. Mm. But yeah. I can't find anything online to suggest that that's the case. So it, I don't know. Mm. Maybe not. That's I think it is. Putting it mm. out there. Mm. <laughs> As non-franchise fans, how did you feel about this new one? I mean... Uh... I wasn't <laughs> expecting much. I mean, we, we've established I'm a big fan of Judy Greer. Oh yeah, yeah. Very much the, I guess second biggest role, maybe third. Certainly one of the three sort of leads. I mean, I just don't know what they were trying to do. It was there was, it started off as one story, and then became something else, and became something else, and became something else. It just kept hitting these dead ends, mm. literally, because it ended with the characters we'd established being murdered. Mm. Yeah. It, it was because it kept sort of saying, here's your protagonist for the film. Oh no, they died. Now that, as a concept, could work. But I I think because we have to keep going back to Laurie Strode, then you're losing all that. You yeah. know, if, if you use that as your gimmick, that you're never quite sure who, who you're following, and then it turns out it's just, it's all about just brutal murders, and that's the, that's the fun of it. Mm. Okay, but um, yeah, what was it trying to do? Maybe it was trying to fake you out. I, I don't know, really. I think it's it's difficult when you have... Because the story only can really conclude at the end when Laurie and Michael face off against each other. And it's the, the, so much of the plot is just about setting the wheels in motion to get him in the same house as her. Because now that he's not her brother or anything, doesn't really care who he's killing by the... You know what I, I really didn't particularly like is that this film... This film sets Jamie Lee Curtis up like uh, like a Sarah Connor, like she's been this the the night of the original film traumatized her to the point that she is like anticipating this coming back, and she's been training her whole life for this, you know. Mm. And it it plays mm. as though she's lived through all of the sequels that don't exist in this continuity, mm. and that's that's a problem I have with that. Mm. It, it feels as if for that character to be behaving that way. She has to have experienced, mm. at very least, Halloween H two O, and the continuity doesn't make any sense if that's meant to be the case. Because this is just a wipe the slate clean. It's a sequel to the first Halloween, mm. not the others. I think the problem with the the character is she was a very unlikable character. She's obviously just a very damaged, yeah. broken person who, with all these damaging behaviours, I think she was just like you say, very unlikable because. It was being played like she'd been through a degree of stuff that she hasn't, and it just didn't mm. quite make sense. So no, I, I agree. She and doesn't it, really. But the real problem with that is that as a character is fine, um, setting that up. The problem with it is that the the what happens in the film completely justifies everything she's ever done and all this behavior. Yeah. Beca- mm. But well, it's I didn't just mind not... that. I thought that was the the thing she was afraid of was complete nonsense but then it comes true and that is my main problem with this and the whole franchise hmm. is michael myers that concept of what he is whatever it is that he is is never never works for me because it's just this kind of slightly we don't quite know if he's supernatural or not kind of nonsense hmm. that is never really developed in any way 
Yeah, I, I guess that's what people from. like about it, but I just don't. I just uh, that's the main weakness of the whole thing for me. For me, it worked because it allowed for a nice arc that plays out, you know, as you'd expect, but plays out properly between her and her daughter Judy Greer and her granddaughter. Mm. It, it it played for the estranged family coming together, recognizing mm. one another. I, I thought that worked. I liked that aspect mm. of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I liked the whole three generations of women mm-hmm. and, yeah, I, I don't know. So, I mean, Calvin is a fan of the franchise. Mm. Would you say this is a good Halloween film? Where do you... Oh, it's certainly it? a good one. Yeah. I definitely need to watch it again. I've only seen it the once. But yes, very good. It is hard to forget about the other ones, even though they are disregarding it from continuity yeah. and stuff. I totally get what you're saying oh. about... It does feel like this is the Laurie Strode who survived through several, at, at least Halloween 2. Like, you know, yeah. uh, continued yeah. to be terrorised. Uh, I hated the ending. I really, really hated the ending. But Oh, uh, really? Like, wh- what... Which aspect of it like how much of the how much of the ending are you talking about there the very, oh i'm, very I'm talking about the very ending when they trap him yeah basically just when they trap him in the cellar and it's yeah it's a great moment for them it's like yeah you've overcome this but then to have them go off jamie lee curtis is bleeding so i guess they can write her out if they want to make another one and then yeah and then it, it cuts back to the cellar the basement and michael isn't there anymore it's just the room is burning i guess implying that he made it out and it was just i mean maybe this is why i like h2o so much because it did end so concrete like yep you know what she killed him she overcame it that's it it's done she won and no other film ever does that they all just leave it lingering and i'm just sick of it that was another weird thing that I couldn't get used to because there was so much about this one where it was it, like it, it had a lot of the very you know they definitely set things up for another one like there's still characters who were there who were introduced and they, like they you know they've said oh yeah we oh what which characters yeah well no what, what oh, like setups the, were there well like the boy the dickhead boyfriend character he just he, he nothing really happened with him um I guess that's it really I uh, I thought that works though because there is a very there is a real kind of here are three women dealing with shit from men Mm. (laughs) vibe about the film and and i don't say that in a disparaging way i quite like that i think it's oh yeah um tapping into a a, an energy that's very prevalent at the moment i didn't really Mm. thought that actually that they were all women and that really jumped out at me as a thing which I suppose is good. It suggests it's handled well, I suppose, rather than doing it as a gimmick. And you've got Toby Huss playing the um, the husband of Judy Greer as I well. I thought he was quite funny. Re- yeah, this real kind of <laughs> just like clueless man. I, I thought, <laughs> yeah, he was good. I uh, I listened to Toby Huss doing a, another podcast talking about this, actually, and it was mm. interesting to hear him talk about Jamie Lee Curtis's work ethic because to say you you think laurie strode doesn't come across like very likable alan i mm-hmm. get the impression maybe jamie lee curtis just isn't a very nice person <laughs> he he was saying this as like a nice thing hanging out so i go over show up at david's house and and there's a scene when we're all in the the restaurant yeah where she comes in and she's a little bit buzzed and she's supposed to as as scripted that was in the original script she shakes uh andy's boyfriend's hand 
And she goes, oh, you got a nice firm handshake. Not like Ray here. And, and she goes, he's got a limp handshake. And I sort of go, okay, all right, all right. And so we just, you know, I read the script a couple of times and we're standing there and they go, you know, Toby, this is Judy. Oh, hey, Judy, you know, so so Oh, great, oh, that's so nice to meet you. And then Jamie Lee's sitting on the couch and this is Jamie Lee. And I go, oh man, how great. And I shake her hand and she... And I shake her hand like a regular human would, not thinking about the script, not thinking uh -huh. about anything. This is just meeting her for the first time. Right. She goes, what the fuck? And I went, what? And she went, what the fuck kind of handshake is that? And I went, oh, I, I'm shaking your, no, what? And she went, no, there's a part in the script where you, you know, because I shake your, you know, your, your, your the boyfriend's hand. He's got a, you know, great. And you got a limp and try it again. I went, oh, shit. And she went, what are you fucking doing it again? And she just, wanted a limp handshake from you? She wanted a limp, like she went, if we're together in a room, we're working on a fucking script. Holy shit. We're not hanging out, eating cookies and drinking tea and being nice to each other. No, let's get to work on a fucking script. Man, she's great. She wow. is great. Not messing around, man. She sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like an yeah. awful person. Yeah. But um, yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I kind of get the impression that maybe she's just not a very likable woman. Mm. Mm. That's sad. But, um... I mean, I, I've been I've been sort of holding my cards close to my chest with this one. I really yeah. liked this film a lot. Oh, wow! Which may uh, surprise you. I this was I felt like Calvin watching a slasher film. <laughs> I think it's because this is the first time I've seen a slasher film made by someone who knows how to direct films, <laughs> um, mm. which is not quite fair, but it, it's it's an unusual level of competence behind the camera on like a writing front on a directing mm -hmm. front mm -hmm. you don't mm -hmm. normally get that in this kind of film and the end result is this is a slasher film that is genuinely scary it is mm -hmm. shot and crafted in a way that is brutal and like raw and gritty mm -hmm. it's not the other halloween films other than perhaps the first one they just feel kind of cartoonish and stupid, and it like even when they're trying to be sincere about what they're doing, it's just not done well enough. It just plays like stupidly, mm. and you just think, well, that's fake, that's dumb. I could fight back against that. In this film, mm. the shape is genuinely imposing. You believe that a sixty-plus-year-old man could like be actually mm. fucking menacing. I don't know about that. It's like whenever he's put the masks on, it's it's like, oh, he suddenly looks more agile and fresh and <laughs> energetic. <laughs> I, I love the way the film was so stop-start because no one felt safe. I genuinely, every time I thought, right, well, this character's going to make it through to the end. No, dead. Gone. Mm. And brutally gone. He kills a kid right up front. That's it, yeah. I I agree with that to an extent. I And it was a really brutal film. And yeah, the, the result of that is like you think, oh, well, no one's safe. And you know, even like your Jamie Lee Curtis character, she doesn't want to do anymore. So you can you believe that they'd kill her yeah. off even. Mm. Yeah, and when they killed off the husband, Ray, I thought, oh, yeah. you know, any of the family can go then. It, it, it... But my, the, the converse of that, though, the problem was perhaps if they, they took it too far, because my problem was that because anyone could die, I just didn't get any emotional connection to anyone. It was just like, oh, mm. well... It's kind of like, well, it wasn't because, well, they might die at the end. It was because they might die on scene two. And so right. it was just like, okay, yeah. I've already established four characters here and now they're all dead. Like, so I just don't care anymore. I think that's mm. fair. Right? I think I've never really had any kind of emotional connection with 
characters in this sort of a film anyway. So it's very much more like an experience and just like mm. a thrill mm. ride. So for me, it's like a series mm. of little shorts where it's like, right, well, I can put mm. myself into the shoes of this character just being chased by this guy. That means, you know, you can empathize with someone on that base level. Yeah. For me, it worked. And I, 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 I've never seen a slasher film this effective in what it was trying to do. I, I thought it was genuinely tense frightening. I am surprised to hear you say that, because I, I know that you're a big fan of the Scream series, oh, I, but that's, I love a, the Scream that's a series that kind of subverts the genre yeah. um, while still doing it, whereas this very much, I was surprised actually at just how much of a, well, just a straight down the line yeah. slasher film it was. It didn't have many bells or whistles, but it was all done really well. That's exactly it. That is exactly it. This was this was a slasher film done well, and I don't think I've ever really seen that before. I love the screen well, they're films, hard to find. but they're like you say, they're they're not mm. pure slasher. They're subverting it. They're postmodern, yeah. and I thought it was shot beautifully. I thought mm. the music from John Carpenter was oh yes. fantastic. I think we're in an exciting time where it's um because it, obviously David Gordon Green and um the other one they were they were just like fans of the original film, aren't they? And it's yeah exciting to know that people like that want to make these kinds of films and are willing and people are going to give them money to do it because i think if these kinds of genres are going to survive it i think it, it's it's reassuring that it has hopefully moved beyond the oh god we need to find someone to direct this on very cheap budget who is looking to break into the movie business or something get anyone most of the deaths in this film are so underplayed it's like mm. It's like someone will be grabbed from behind and it'll stab them once and their, yeah. their scream will just go quiet. Like, it, do you know mm. what I mean? In most of these films, it would be like stab, 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 scream, ah! In this, it's just, it's so muted and underplayed and that is scary mm. because that feels more real and Completely agree. helpless. Yeah. Your favourite of the series? Uh, Yeah. Easily mm-hmm. my favourite Halloween film. I, I'd say it's easily the best of the sequels. I, I think you could make an argument that the original, coming when it did, and context surrounding mm-hmm. it, is, is a better film. But this is certainly my favourite, yeah. By a mm-hmm. mile okay. as well. By a, by an absolute mile. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's not, not how I felt. <laughs> Do you know what I think all this is, right? I think it's this is all since... Soul split with his ex girlfriend, and he's just got a much happier outlook on life. <laughs> he like he loves everything again. He's just like, hey, life is enjoyable. Look at this great film. I love it. Uh, <laughs> it's like there's a there's this dark cloud been lifted off his. Well, I mean, I did watch Mamma Mia two the other night, so <laughs> that's the ultimate test. Yourself, but... <laughs> oh and I, I mean, I've been really gushing about it, but. I mean, I am only going to give it a Senor Sevens. No, no. <laughs> After all that. But but this is a seven. If I rewatch this film, and I think I probably will be drawn back to this film because it's left mm. an impression with me. It's one of these things where I've mulled it over, and the more I mull it over, the more I kind of think more of it. Mm. I do think this one might bump up to an eight uh, on a rewatch. Mm. It's an eight from me. I give it a five. Wow. That's that's not bad for a Halloween film from us. That's still fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Suspiria. Yeah, so next up we've got Suspiria. Unfortunately, I haven't seen it. I missed it. It managed to pass me by because it didn't get a massively wide release. No, I didn't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I haven't, it's been too It's too soon to, to find it um, on DVD or anything like that. So, unfortunately, I haven't seen it, but you have? 
Yeah. Um, okay. I was quite looking forward to see it as well. I'm yeah. going to find it out when it comes out, when I, when I can get my hands on it. I might be wrong here. You might surprise me. My reading of this film, and based on what I know of you, is you would hate this film. <laughs> okay. If our complaint about the first pre- uh, Predator, the first Suspiria, was that it's too long to say that there's no plot, and <laughs> just getting by on the visuals and the sort of vibe and the aesthetic and the mise en scene, and that isn't enough for you. <laughs> Try two and a half hours of that. <laughs> because that's oh, what dear. this film is. Um, beautifully, <laughs> it does look very nice in the shot. trailer, yeah. <laughs> beautifully shot. Should be nominated for cinematography at the Oscars. It won't be. And that's about where my praise ends, really. Uh, it's uh, got a nice song by Tom York, Suspirium. Mm-hmm. On the soundtracks, really great song. Probably going to be nominated for the Oscar as well, I reckon. Just about the music. Other than that, very bland and uninteresting. There's one scene which is absolutely horrific, really unpleasant to watch. So you know, in terms of trying to create genuine horror for the audience, hats off to them. And there are a few points in the film where it gets quite gory and very unpleasant, but it's always, you know, it's meant to be unpleasant, so it's done well. But there's no real story, it's just... And I think that's by design, there's just very little plot. It's just about some witches mm. prattling around. And how do, um, how do the actors come out of it if there's not a lot to grab hold of like that? Do they, is it good performances? Um, yeah, yeah, very well acted. Uh, Tilda Swinton. Well, I knew she'd be good, but <laughs> well, she she inexplicably has a, a a few roles within the film. Oh, really? Heavily made up, like Dick Van Dyke style um, <laughs> extra roles chucked in there. No, I mean they're, they're they're all good. She comes out of it very well. Dakota Johnson, it turns out, can act. Um, like I mean, technically speaking, it's a really well made film. I just don't like what they were trying to make. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, okay. just not great. Um, I give it a 5 yeah. out of 10, which is the same score I gave the original Suspiria, actually. It's it's always, it's always a really interesting passion project. You know, I like when films like this kind of come out that are clearly what a director just wanted to do. And Yeah. So, yeah, but 5 out of 10, not a big fan at all. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, next up is The Grinch. The Grinch. We had an episode looking into this. We watched the Jim Carrey version. Mm. We saw the Werner Herzog version. Um, so yeah, were they were they trying to do anything new with it, or was it just uh, well, you know, the generation we're aiming at is too young to remember the the last one, so we're okay. Um, it just felt like the most lazy uninteresting take on the concept it could possibly have been. I -hmm. think a really straight straight up down the line we're going to adapt the original the book or the original cartoon to feature length. I think there's something to be said for that and that's not what this is. This is DreamWorks have got a formula for making like, you know, junk food family animated comedies that sells we're just going to emulate that with a, an IP we've bought the rights to. Mm. And I think that's a real shame. But, I mean, from an animation point of view, I mean, from my uneducated point of view, it seemed pretty good. I mean, it was, yeah, it was competent. 
nothing it, it didn't really do anything remotely new in any capacity the character designs varied from bland and generic to lifted directly from dr seuss's drawings yeah um so i can't really give them much credit for any of that like there's nothing really to grab onto here the sense of humor was just oh this is what shrek ushered in however many years ago and plot just it just felt padded it was very piecemeal yeah there was lots of chunks that you could okay you could take that out you could probably put it in 20 minutes later and it would work like these just chunks these just scenes you could just move even the cast the voice cast i don't think anyone brought anything yeah, nothing to it. special we we spoke about pharrell williams being brought in to narrate uh, the thing i mean that was a weird choice not well that's it we kind of thought maybe maybe it'll work no. just about <laughs> no it doesn't no it's no gravitas to his voice no no nothing to his voice no not yeah. even personality to yeah. it yeah it so. felt like someone had won a competition <laughs> to do the narration. <laughs> yeah yeah it was awful uh benedict cumberbatch is the grinch I mean, he's, Fine. he's giving a good performance. He's trying. It's it's yeah. not a voice that suits that character. He doesn't really imbue it with any life. Uh, Cindy Lou Who, the little kid, just horribly bland, uninteresting character. It's just a shame because I, I think there's a lot to work with with the Grinch and nothing's really figured it out yet. Well, what did you rate it? Uh, I gave it a 5 out of 10. I gave it a five also, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you can sit through it. It's, it doesn't do anything particularly bad or offensive. It's just so nothingy and just, just, just depressing, isn't it? Happy Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Fantastic Beasts. Okay, now we're going back to Chris Hunter with because uh, we're going to deal with Fantastic Beasts. So, Chris, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> You've been gone for about 35 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Doesn't feel like I assume we're going to edit them together in sort of chronological order. Right. So, we had a big discussion, the three of us, about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Yes. Mm. Did any of us like it? I can't remember what you said. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was all right. Chris thought it was a good start to a series, I think. Yeah, it's a good intro of, film. Yeah. I thought it was going to kill the franchise. Um, <laughs> now, that didn't happen, obviously. It made this second one. Is this one going to kill the franchise? Because this yeah. is just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> I is... think if if anything could kill the franchise, it's this one. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, like, this, for me, this was not, like, particularly, it was sort of the same, really. It was just, really? Like, I, I sort of watched this and just thought, oh, I, haven't, I don't know, I've got anything to say. I don't know, it's just, like, <laughs> sort of my eyes were pointed at the screen, definitely, but yeah. I don't know. I've, I'm, I'm not a huge Harry Potter guy, but I think they're always sort of fun, watchable, entertaining films. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think they're all made to a pretty decent standard so far. So when reviews start coming in for The Crimes of Grindelwald, that's yet another... J.K. Rowling loves names that you read and think are pronounced one way for years, <laughs> and then you find out years later are pronounced completely differently. Yeah. She, she probably saved her surname for long enough. Like, no, it's Rowling, like bowling. Like, you said it's Rowling. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> it's Rowling. It's not J.K., it's Juk. <laughs> Maybe that's where it comes from. It's like, just kidding, it's Rowling. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I went into this thinking, oh, it'll be perfectly watchable it can't be that bad <laughs> mm-hmm. and i was 
I was blown away by how bad it was. Genuinely, I I was really? not prepared for it. I thought it was. This, I've only heard bad things, and and I've <laughs> more tellingly, I think I haven't heard much. Like it just hasn't been popping up on Facebook. Like oh, yeah. watch this film. It's all great. And given the nature of the site, the scope of the Harry Potter fandom, it's like that's unusual. I think. Hmm. Yeah, and I know what you mean. I think it's more of like sort of the black sheep of the series, but the rest of the series isn't done yet. You know what I mean? I think it has that kind of feel to it. The one that in 10 years' time people start to go, my favourite one's The Crimes of Grindelwald, and then someone else goes, yeah. my ones, my favourite one's The Crimes of Grindelwald, and then they like bond <laughs> over it. And I mean, one, one of the things that really like amazed me is mm-hmm. they've made a big thing about how J.K. Rowling's like plotted this all out and yeah. knows exactly where it's going. Yeah. So if that's the case, why why is it why is it so fucking messy? <laughs> why is it like they wipe this guy's memory at the end of the last film, and then this film starts them going, "Oh yeah, he didn't really do that. <laughs> Actually, it was all made up." Yeah. Yeah. And then Eddie Redmayne, sort of just not even relevant to the story. What was the story? The story is trying to find out about the origins of Credence and what the deal is with that kid. Uh, and trying to find him, just period. But I thought he was dead. Why has he come back? Exactly. Yeah, he came back. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember why he's come back, but he has come back. And then Dumbledore was in it. Yeah. And this, by the way, I don't know all the history of Dumbledore and all that. So this was kind mm-hmm. of I was coming to this fresh. I know him as an old man who's the head of the school, right? Yeah. He's obviously younger. He still works at a school. Yeah. But he's also like the most powerful wizard who's ever lived. Pretty, like, pretty, pretty much. But people go people go into teaching because they're shit, not because they're actually good at it. <laughs> oh man, I couldn't believe the the writing. If I didn't hate you so much, this wouldn't be a problem. But you are the best wizard in the world, so I suppose <laughs> I'll have to let it slide. I was like, I thought J.K. Rowling was good. <laughs> this is this is awful. I cannot believe that. Yes. There was uh, a, a fair bit of that. Yeah. Tell you tell you who surprised me. I'll tell you who surprised you. Um, <laughs> Johnny Depp playing David Bowie Hitler. <laughs> yeah, I was I was all geared up to hate him and think he was going to embarrass himself further. I thought, no, this this is Johnny Depp doing everything he does well. This is Johnny yeah. Depp being used properly. Yeah, it was properly cast. It's a solid Johnny Depp in a blockbuster performance. I I thought he was one of the better things in it. Yeah, I think it works. Yeah, it should be. I think it should be interesting to see throughout this series the development between Dumbledore and Grindelwald, because there's there's potential that they were actually kind of lovers at some point. So that's where all this stems from. I mean, from. it seemed completely <laughs> implied as far as I. Well, was. yeah, yeah. I didn't seem to be much doubt about that. He says, "Oh, I know you were close as brothers. We were closer than that." <laughs> How likely are we to get a young Alan Rickman in these films at some point? <laughs> um, let's hope if they do it like Star Wars, they're not at all. Because <laughs> I don't want no CG Rickman walking around. That would be sad. Um, but we'll probably see him at some point. I mean, we saw him in a flashback with uh, Hagrid, I think, didn't we, in one of the other ones? I, I, It really felt like Eddie Redmayne's character, Newt, just got completely forgotten about in this. Mm. And it, it like... Uh, yeah, it felt like he was just a conduit to get other characters into it. Which is, But also, basically, the four main characters from the previous film, or at least our good side... They're all in this, but very much in a kind of like, oh, we've got to put them in there, I suppose. It's quite central all the way through, although it could easily be a different character. It's not really relevant to where we've come from with him. Mm. But fair enough, he's like our conduit. He's the one pulling us through it. And they do use the Fantastic Beasts a bit. 
So yeah. it's like, okay, he's involved That's true. with that. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. the other ones are completely irrelevant. The oh, and there, that... there were some, there were some actually quite fantastic beasts in this one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like so. tripping through dimensions and stuff. Yeah, was, yeah. At least they were making. I thought they were effort. cool, man. They were really cool. Um, I think for the time being, they're going to plow ahead with their five film series. I, I don't think it's mm, quite think so. in danger yet. I think what might happen is maybe J.K. Rowling won't get sole writing duties on the next one. Maybe mm. they'll bring someone else in to kind of work with her, tidy it up. Maybe, maybe. Don't know. Well, apparently, apparently the next one's based in Rio, so uh, I'm not sure Ooh. what's going to be there. But that'd be quite different <laughs> landscapes and such. But yeah, I, I like I say, I was just blown away by how not great this one was. I, I just found mm. it slow, boring, uninteresting. I find it a little confusing. Um, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm alone. <laughs> yeah, confusing. But I don't know how much of that was that I just kind of didn't care anymore and just switched on. Right. But, yeah, I know what you mean. It's one of those you have to kind of keep on track with. Um, but yeah, I, I, I give it a four. I was very unimpressed. Very unimpressed. Four? Uh, I give it a five, which is the same I gave the first one. I was just, yeah, flatlined, basically. Yeah, see, I'd, I'd give this one a six or six or seven. I'll go with six. I'll give it a six. Um, cause yeah, <laughs> give I, it a seven I, I if like... you want. No, Bring it's. it's I, no? I'd say six. Go on, seven. Why not? Eh? Let's be nice. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving it a seven, Alan. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I liked it. Um, I think it was a bit confusing, a bit misleading at times, but you know, Catherine Waterston, who plays the main woman in the first film, her character is barely in this film at all, and it would make as much sense for her to have been running alongside Newt and. Uh, uh, Fogel, what's he called? Dan Fogler's guy. Um, yeah. Oh, um, Jacob Kowalski. I make cakes. Like he, he was in it significantly more than than she was, and they need you know with him they need a moment where he has to like bake something to save the day. And, like, so he like, <laughs> feels like involved. Oh, that's I mean, so even good. if it's like poisoned cannolis or something that they have to give to someone. It's like, but he so that he feels like he's done something that they can't do. You know, not yeah. even not even poison. I think it has to be legit. True bake job, like he has to the best the, cannolis. The, yeah, there's like a really colourful, like Jabba the Hutt style character who's introduced <laughs> to like he's he's got one weakness, uh, a perfect souffle, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, right, leave it to me. I got this. Finally, I got I gotcha. this. And they're like souffleifious, and it doesn't work. <laughs> That'd be amazing. That'll be the end of the fifth one. That's how J.K. Rowling <laughs> likes likes to write stuff, like Neville being the Christ figure at the end of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next we've got Creed 2. And uh, Judy, Judy is back in the room. Hello. Hello. I'm, you know, I love that you guys keep calling me today. <laughs> well, you were supposed to watch Creed 2 because you watched Creed with I us. I was. I know. And you didn't see it, did you? No. <laughs> right, I'm going to lean back. <sighs> I'm away from the mic. <laughs> oh, God. Right, Alan, do you want to lead the way? Well, I mean, <laughs> given that my main problem with Creed is that I don't like Creed, whatever is Don Johnson. Adonis. Yeah. I, that was not changed here. I still don't like him. I find him quite unlikable, in fact. I find him to be quite a nasty little aggressive man. Well... Can we? Can I jump straight in on that? Yeah. My my big takeaway from Creed two, and I don't think this is intentional, but I couldn't watch the film any other way. I think that Ivan Drago's kid, whatever his name is, is the hero of this film. 
I was rooting for him the whole way through. I thought he he should have been set up as our hero and protagonist. Yeah. He he is the true underdog of this piece. He is he seems to be a good person because there are scenes in this film that set him up as rejecting the aristocracy and the the bullshit yeah. from which his, and his lineage is that he doesn't agree with. The fact that his mum is a horrible mm-hmm. person, the fact that his dad is kind of kowtowing to He's been this. screwed over through no fault of his own, like and his dad exactly. has taken exactly. all his personal resentment out on this kid. Exactly. Yeah, you're and right. So I was rooting for him the whole way through. And I, I went to watch this with a big fan of the franchise who couldn't believe what I was saying when I got out. He was like, yeah, but that's not Creed's fault. And it was like, yeah, but Creed's, Creed's had his time at the top. He's he's had his time being a heavyweight champion. I can root for someone else um, to beat him. It, it, right, rightfully so. It's not like, uh, it's not like Rocky Four when he's pumped full of steroids and he doesn't deserve to win. And the older mentor character there, which is Ivan Drago... He, his character arc, he's learning the lesson of like, oh, you need to let go of that old stuff and some things aren't as important. Mm. And in fact, the, my, my big thing here was that the very end of the film, what should have happened, what a, a satisfying emotional end would have been, was if Creed kind of lost or, yeah. or threw in the towel or whatever, but knew that it was time to give up and had learned over the course of this film that, you know what, you don't always have to just keep going until you get killed. Yeah. You are allowed to stop and say, you know what? Some things are more important. I've got a family. Exactly. I've got and a daughter. But it doesn't, we don't get that. We just get, hey, keep fighting until you die, because that's what matters. Yeah, I, I was expecting that for a bit. I thought that was actually where they were going to go, and I was yeah. thinking if they do this, this could be my favourite Rocky, because they've set this vil- villain, antagonist up so well that I'm actually on his side. I want him to win. Creed will learn a life lesson. It'll be a respectable, you know, nice moment in the film that he he kind of does his best and loses. We haven't actually really seen that in a Rocky film yet, at mm-hmm. the ending. Uh, and sadly, they just kind of plough ahead and exactly what you expect. He ends up winning because, you know. But I've got to say, th- this is so, so firmly a Rocky film to say that they're kind of selling it like this franchise is standing on its own two feet now. It's it's less like you have to have seen Rocky Four for this to make any sense contextually. Yeah. The cinema was full of twelve year olds who didn't know what the fuck was going on. I, I laughed out loud when they announced that the baby was deaf because someone behind me said, What's what's going on? It means it's deaf. It means it's dead. <laughs> that was another weird thing. That the, this surely the whole point is this character Creed is supposed to be growing, he's supposed to change in some way, have some kind of character arc that makes us care about him and it just never comes it's like always supposed to be there and for a good example you know he knocks up his girlfriend they're happily married or or i don't know if they actually get married or whatever but they're happy together it's all going great she gets pregnant they're happy about that they have a baby and it's this big moment it's like a point in the film where it is going to be this life-changing event for him it's like going to change his perspective of life and it's literally like that she has the baby and they're like oh my god we've got a baby it's so wonderful it's not deaf is it is this fucking shithead kid deaf? Can we check that out before I start loving it, please? So that's the that's we knew that she was going to be deaf in the first one for a reason, and it was going to be set up for something. Now we know why. Well, even that, I don't know if it's enough of a payoff to justify all of it. And that's it. It's like a subplot that takes up about five minutes. Yeah, but that's it. And they and they find it's like the whole point of that little five minute subplot is just so that we can go so that he can learn. You know what? Just because she's deaf, you can still love her as your daughter. That's, yeah, and he that's only okay, learns it because Rocky, Rocky literally says, 
<laughs> well, you just love her anyway, don't you? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I guess, guess I can. Like he had to learn that anyway. lesson apparently, and I'm supposed to like him. Uh, look, I, so I feel like I'm being quite down on it. Uh, this film opens with Creed becoming the heavyweight champion, doesn't it? And it's done pre-credits. Just get it out of the way. Yeah. And I love that they did that. Because the obvious thing is we have a whole film dealing with him becoming the heavyweight champion. But I don't care about that. What I want is the way more intricate mythology, franchise mythology folding in on itself, complicated shit that we get to three or four films down the line. And they were like, let's just skip ahead to that. And and this film does go to... you Like you said you thought it was going to, based on the trailer, it does get very dark very early on. There's the big fight at the halfway mark i guess and when i was watching it i was like right this feels way too early into the film for this to be the ending so i guess he's gonna lose and he he gets his ass handed to him and it's it's kind of to be expected but i i think it's done with a a a kind of brutal yeah i think it's suitably brutal that's that's also the the other problem with it is that he's so completely utterly beaten it's like, how did this guy ever win the world? Like, there's no well, way that, that the, yeah. the world champion should be this outclassed by anyone. And certainly not then, six months later, be better than him again. It sets Drago up as as a super being, essentially. And that that's part of why I wanted him to win. Because it's like, this guy is like clearly superior. And that's why at the end, I didn't want him to... I wanted him to come back and fight a respectable fight and yeah. still lose. Yeah, and yeah, I could yeah. have dealt with that. But, you know, it, it really leans hard on Rocky Four, And I was amazed, genuinely amazed, at how well they managed to give Drago characterization, the, the father. Because mm-hmm. he is nothing in the fourth film. He is just a prop. It, it, it's like a joke how little like characterization he has. And in this film, he's an interesting character... You understand him. It retroactively makes Rocky Four make more sense in a lot of ways. I mean, it's. I wish it had done things differently, but I was still able to just kind of get on board with it and enjoy it and like the you know stuff that came close to doing what I really wanted it to do. If that makes sense. Ultimately, I I came away really enjoying it, and mm. in my mind, I'm just going to kind of imagine that that Drago won at the end, and that would make the film a hell of a lot better. I like what you're saying there about the young Drago being the hero because that's definitely how I felt about it, I think, without quite putting into that context. But yeah, yeah I just needed uh, all these things that you were saying weren't there. Yeah, they <laughs> weren't there, so I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> that's, I don't, you obviously got something out of it. Okay, so what would you what would you rate it? Then? Uh, I'm going to give this one an 8. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, know, I really enjoyed it. Wow. That is a shock. A low eight, but it's just about an eight. I've got a. It was. I gave Creed a seven, and I like this one enough more for it to go up to an eight from that. So yeah. Well, I gave Creed a six, and I gave this one a five. Oh shit! (laughs) I'm still here. (laughs) And this is very much. This is me going against the grain and thinking this was better than Creed. General consensus is this is good, but not as good as Creed. But I, I, I like it. Our next film up, and the the last one for this episode, is Aquaman. Ooh. Judy and I went to see Aquaman together. Yeah. And I believe we have similar feelings. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I, I started off on a back foot because I resented paying that much for a ticket. So actually, you had a much more pleasant experience than I did. That was, this was weird, right? We went, to, we went to a cinema. We went to cinema at the Millennium Dome, right? 
I'm, I've got a Cineworld Unlimited Pass, so I can get in. But every screening they had, every screening they had was like 3D, 2D Superbox. Oh, man, I hate su- that super screen. big screen shit. All now. this I bullshit. Like three quid. So I had to pay three quid extra. Screen. Do you know what? Do you know what we got for my three quid extra? And Judy paid fucking fifteen pounds or 15 something. Fifteen pounds sixty. It meant that in some of the in some of the scenes, the film was projected onto the side walls. <laughs> for no reason or benefit. Panels, so you could see the lines on. <laughs> yeah, the walls. there was an emergency exit sign With in the lovely, middle of it. Yeah, emergency exit <laughs> sign in the middle of the sea on that wide shot where they're sat Hang on a boat. Was this? Had the projectionist fucked up? Or no, no, no. Right, so imagine screen imagine X. the, the cinema screen, screen X, right? So the cinema screen is your normal big wide screen, right? And then the side walls that come out at 90 degree angles are plain so that when there's just certain scenes are in like super wide screen. Literally like five, five shots. And so well, the normal thing, you would just have your normal cinema screen, you still see everything you would normally see. But then they've got like the extra side bits of the super wide like screen. Like an extra flat. They, they just added a screen X thing in my local, and Shit. I went to watch. I went to watch Ralph breaks the internet on it just to kind of see what it was like, and there wasn't anything projected on the walls. It well, was that was it because usual screen. That was obviously they That's didn't film any wide, X, yeah. super wide screen of things or that, and it was only like four scenes, and it was pointless because it's a ninety degree angle. The idea is like, oh, it's like a surround screen thing, like IMAX is, but it doesn't because it's an obscure angle. Also, obviously, there's nothing in there that you need to see. That's the whole point. So it's supposed to just add to that. All it is is distracting you. It's like, like well, what's it was. That? It was distracting. Awful, it was distracting because idea. of the panels on the wall because it wasn't completely smooth. Like you could, yeah, you could see the lines, the breaks on the wall. So I would say, I want you to turn that off and don't charge me the three quid, and uh, we'll all be happy. So there you go, Cineworld. Fifteen pounds sixty, man. <laughs> sort yourselves out. Anyway, so <laughs> we—that's that was our experience, and the, unfortunately, the film was not by any means good enough to make up for that. <laughs> I don't know. We did laugh out loud a couple of times, but it wasn't for the right reasons. <laughs> we did. And we were the only ones. We were the only ones laughing at certain points, and then we didn't laugh when everyone else laughed. It was quite funny. I did notice that we were in a. It was a packed screen, wasn't it? We were, which it was, was surprising. It was really packed. But there it was wasn't. Getting in late. There wasn't a lot of reaction from them, was there? There wasn't a lot of like cheering well, or anything. Like, until you know. he said like a really shit one-liner, and then they were like, <laughs> "Yeah, even that." There wasn't a lot of that. I think everyone was like, Ooh. "No, what? It would have been worse if there was cheering and clapping. You would have just got up and left." Well, this is my okay. Overall, my and I'm I'm dying to hear what Saul thinks of it because my feeling generally is this was bad in a way that was hilarious. Yes, <laughs> uh, and I want to know if Saul enjoyed it for that reason. I don't know what I I I really I don't know what I think about this film. <laughs> I, I've I cannot tell how I feel about it. Some of like bits of it were legitimately fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> like what? Like the horror sequence when those monsters were attacking them on the oh, boat. Oh, the trench. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certain bits where it was really going for broke and it was just mental as well, and I I really respected it for it. Bits of it were fucking appalling. <laughs> yes. And like there was no reason or rhyme as to what went where. The first thing I kind of noted about it, which underpins everything and has to underpin everything. Was just that the plot was bloated. What was it the was plot? Like, what was well, exactly? It? it had like five tiers of 
shit to wade through. Yeah, I had a treasure hunt sequence. Was, that was the fun bit. Yeah, the first bit was I, about the family. <laughs> then it was like defeat him. And then it was just continually like find this, find this, find yeah, this. Yeah, and, and it was, it's this globe trotting thing. And, and like I, I went to see this film with a woman, <laughs> and Ooh. on the way out of the cinema, I, I said to her like I. I genuinely couldn't tell you what the plot was, and I don't know what <laughs> yeah. just happened. Yeah, and she said, "Yeah, you're right." She turned <laughs> to me that's... at one point when they were in the middle of the desert, and then they cut to Spain, and she just said, yeah. "How did they get out of the desert?" <laughs> it was like, "Yeah, hang on," because a minute ago they were complaining about how they were dying and didn't have any water, and they just jumped out of an airplane. That's a fair point. I I have to say, I think Jason Momoa is shit. Um, <laughs> This film has really sold me on the idea that he cannot do comedy. He obviously thinks he can, but he cannot do comedy. I actually, for all the faults in this film, I actually didn't have too much of an issue with him or his comedy. I just thought the whole film let everything down rather than him in particular. There were so many moments where he obviously thought he was being really funny. And I thought, you know what? If this was was Chris Hemsworth doing that exact same thing, I think he'd sell it. I think it'd be charming. Oh, of course he would. But this guy going woo or whatever, doing a little face, it's just like a twat. Maybe it's not true, but it's widely reported Amber Heard uh, gave an interview where she said apparently on set she would be reading uh, in between takes. She likes to read. She was reading her books, and when Jason Momoa felt that she wasn't giving him enough attention, he would rip a page out of her book, sort of like, hey, look at me. Well, that's just boy in, that's a boy in a playground, right? That's, that's the kind of thing I, Alan would Yeah, do. I think Judy's just thinking, I'm sure that <laughs> Alan's I mean, done that, that to the me. number of times that's happened to me where I don't pay him enough attention when he pushes me into a lamppost. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, but there's, there's a world of difference between that and ripping a page out of your fucking no, book. No, he would do it. He would do it. No, nah, I wouldn't He's do that. Also, I respect books. Yeah, you would. Come on. Well, no, the difference is that you don't have money to replace the book, whereas Jason Momoa <laughs> I doubt, I, well, I didn't get the impression that he was buying a replacement book. Well, I think I fall in the middle a little bit there because I don't think he's quite got the right charm to get away with it. But I, I never disliked him either, to be honest. Like he's, yeah, I was well, fine with I him. It's just, and I, I thought the rest of the cast were standard, not good at that. I mean, like, I like Amber Heard. I love Willem Dafoe. Quite forgettable, but yeah. Willem Dafoe. Just completely wasted. Even that, yeah. It's still like the least Willem Dafoe <laughs> bit of Willem Dafoe yeah. ever. Yeah. Patrick Wilson, we, we've spoken about him before, being a surprisingly dependable actor when he's called upon, but utterly wasted in this film. The most bland, uninteresting villain. Was it? Oh, but the, the costumes. Oh, the costumes yeah. were fantastic. <laughs> they were ridiculous. She has Nicole fucking jellyfish was possibly dress. possibly worse. Yeah. Well, no. What about at the end she's when like when she comes back and she's coloured yeah, bone suit? No, no. When she comes back at the end and she's got like a crab claw and like dinosaur bones all over. Yeah, her. exactly. It was no. just ridiculous. Shit. There was something. Was brilliant. No, there was something that made that not work. Like it, it wasn't. It was stuck between these two worlds of whether it was like a really full-on cartoony cartoon film or this kind of more trying to be more serious superhero film, and that was a classic too far in between. It was just this actor dressed in a stupid costume, probably thinking, oh, this will look all right on film, and it doesn't. <laughs> also, when she hugs her son, and she's got like a pufferfish shoulder blade. <laughs> she stabs him, him like, yeah, in the cheek. Stab him in the cheek. I was, yeah, I was yeah, waiting for him to kind of go, oh, you spiked me. Yeah, Sorry. that would have been genuine. I thought there was a joke coming on that. Yeah, they didn't use that. Um, no, I, I thought the one place this film excelled was its art direction, and it's that that's encompassing. No, it was it was just too cartoony. No, I know. I I think the the moments when the film fully embraced that were when it worked for me. It was it no. was they when were it riding tried, sharks. When it awkwardly fell into 
attempts at grounded and realistic that it didn't work. When it was full-blown Power Rangers nonsense, it was like, okay, I get what this is meant to be. At this but that was it. If it had committed to that, I could at least go, okay, I don't really like that sort of thing, but they, that's what they're doing. But it wasn't. Yeah. It was trying to do two, two things between at once. Them. Uh, my biggest issue is the way they set up a villain who like, has loads of screen... Well, no, you forget he's in the film until like 40 minutes later. Then he has loads of screen time setting him up as the villain, and then he just vanishes. Well, he gets killed. Is that the Black Ant Man? Black Manta. Manta. Yeah. Manta. That's what he oh, called. I heard Lantern. He said. He says like, "Call me Black Manta" or something. Well, he like said. That. He said, "Call me Black Manta," and I didn't hear he it. He says, "Call me Black Manta." <laughs> Is that an animal? Man- a Manta. Manta ray. A manta, yeah, like manta ray, yeah. That was but awful, wasn't like it? Ma- he because looks more like Ant Man than an Ant Man. Because they, 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 they waste like a whole scene. Setting up him and his dad that we don't need, just bullshit, boring bollocks. Yeah. Not a particularly interesting two hours uh, twenty performance. minutes. Long. I, I don't. I've never seen the actor in anything else. I don't think. But uh, then they kit him up with all this Atlantean technology, and it's really like amazing stuff in this costume. And you think, oh, that's the villain. They just set him up. Then they have an eighteen montage of him inexplicably learning how this amazing technology works and like fiddling around with it as if it's not good enough already. Yeah, I was wondering why he was taking it apart. Yeah, he's like, this gun is good, but I needed to mount it on my face. That's it. <laughs> and like, what the f- and spray painting it black, so That's it's like all the, gen- all the other costumes stuff. that are already black. <laughs> this was a special white one. It, like, what the f- just put the costume on! That's fine! If he's just got the costume on, that's fine. And mm-hmm. and then he's like immediately dispatched within five minutes of attacking him when he shows up. <laughs> the music in this film, can we talk about that? Oh god. Don't don't remember it. <laughs> oh my god, what what was going on? So some of the music in this film is fantastic. The the, the a lot of it feels very much like someone watched Thor Ragnarok and went, Oh, let's do that. But when they've got this kind of 80s electronic, almost chiptune kind of beeps and boops in there, I thought that was great. It really, it fit the vibe of the film. It was nice. Um, Then there are all these musical sequences, mostly between Jason Momoa and Amber Heard, that it's just like, blink, 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 Mickey Mouse scoring, like rom-com music, when they're in the desert. And I've been looking on the soundtrack to dig up some clips of this to play to you. It's all been left off the soundtrack. It's a weirdly abbreviated soundtrack. And I don't know if that means that that was library music that was like just pulled in on top of the stuff that was written, or if they're embarrassed by it and have left it off the soundtrack. But it is not on the soundtrack, I'm telling you now. Um, and then, of course, we've got Pitbull covering Africa by Toto, which is just unforgivable. <laughs> oh, that was diabolical. Because they're in Africa. I did turn to Alan at that point, and I was like, what, what the fuck is this? Uh, well, let me tell you the biggest laugh I got. Um, yeah. Octopus playing the drums. Fantastic. Oh, Loved yeah. It. <laughs> but that was the point it. where I was just like, what are they doing with this film? Is it a comedy? Under I can't figure seat. out how, where they're trying to set a tone on this. <laughs> Do you want to know a bit of information about what that is? Okay, go on. That octopus is a character called Topo, okay. who oh, is. Uh, Aquaman's octopus sidekick, who I think is quite a big part of Aquaman lore from like the sixties, you know, ah, when it was at the height of camp. That does make a bit more sense that they've just dropped it in as a little kind of Easter egg or whatever. 
I, you know what, I, I think if, if Aquaman had been like that all the way through, it would have been great. The problem was it pulled its punches too often. Yeah. Will there be an Aquaman 2? No. Mm. When I, you know what I was thinking? Well, I mean, there will be, because well, I, I don't know. You know, Hollywood loves money, but... I don't know. The... That's what I mean, will there be? Was this a success? Was this good enough to get a second film? DC doesn't know what it's doing anymore. I wouldn't be surprised if DC just properly wiped the slate clean at some point, but the thing is, they like they're too invested in Wonder Woman and what they've got going with Wonder Woman. I think we'll probably see more of Aquaman, but it might be in a very different capacity. And what I was thinking watching this film is, I I want a Thor Ragnarok. I want Aquaman, but like Superman is stuck underwater with him. I just need like a someone to play off him a bit. Isn't that what Justice League was meant to be doing? I mean, I haven't. Well, seen kind it, of, but I but I, I don't know if I want like five or six characters I've never met before being introduced and bouncing off each other at the same time. I think I just want a, a nice dynamic of like you know, like kind of buddy cop thing. There were just so many bits that annoyed me. I don't think I'm going to. Well, that's, every them. everything was like a fifty-fifty toss-up, whether or not I liked it or hated it, and. It just kind of bounced back and forth that whole way through. I I hated bits of this film. I loved bits of this film. All the reviews that I've read have said something along the lines of this film is dumb and stupid, but it's insane enough that it's maybe worth a watch, which I think is fairly accurate, to be honest. So let's just give it a rating. And uh, well, I uh, okay, I'll I'll set this stall out straight away. I gave it a three. Woo! Wow. I'm I'm gonna go four. Alright, well, I, I give it a six, but like I say, I'm really struggling to figure out which parts of this film I actually like, and like that's not a very... I don't know how accurate a six that is. I'm not going to stand by it. Okay, so that is is our review of the year, basically. That's it. It's been a, the longest one yet. This is our longest episode ever. Probably. He says before the edit. Yeah, it's going to be that longest. We can't possibly know. <laughs> cool. Alright, yeah, well, thanks, guys. It, yeah, all right, um... Thank you all. Come back in 2019. Mm. <laughs> I've done a little a little game to cap off the the year. Oh, oh, oh! I'm back. I just, am I? Oh, I this was is just, nice. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks for me back again. I was just um, I'm just scrolling through my ratings to see if the sort of the, anything I've liked, and there isn't anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> and there's certainly no new releases or anything. It's just. But yeah, I, I've done a little. I've done a little capping off the year music quiz. Oh, nice! Um, yeah. Love the quizzes. So, yeah, I just want you to name... Uh, I mean, if you can name anything, like, who it's by or the name of it, fine. But we're looking for the film it's from. These are all mm. songs or bits of score from films this year. It's a good mix of, of stuff in here. I, I think you'll <laughs> you'll get some of these. You won't get others. So. Okay. Um, just, just, um, just to... A quick uh, interlude here. Um, I was just scrolling through my ratings. The last thing that I saw at the cinema that I gave an 8 out of 10, I was looking 8 or above, but there's no 9s or 10s or anything here, that I gave an 8 to <laughs> was downsizing. Oh, fuck <laughs> right off. In, in February. It's <laughs> not even good. That's the thing. I thought it was going to be like, you know... I, I thought he was going to say, like, Gladiator in, like, whenever that came. But... No, I just really appreciated the kookiness of it. Wow. I mean, to say you're someone who complains about a film being tonally inconsistent and messy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was funny, though. Um, but I think, yeah, to get an 8 out of 10 for me, I'm going to go back to the Oscars, like Shape of Water, I gave it 8 out of 10 to. Well, we're just, we're just gearing mm. up for Oscar season, so. It feels like a bit of a weak Oscar year this year. 
I don't know. Nothing. Nothing looks that interesting. And I've watched a few of the films that are probably going to be nominated. Anyway, more on that in a few months. Hey, eh? hey. <laughs> if you have you listener, if you have any ideas of films you'd like to see uh, or hear us do, then do by all means get in touch. Let us know. We are available. We have an email address, don't we? That we don't really put out very often. What is it? <laughs> um, dimreturnspodcast at gmail.com. Yes. It might be easier to contact us through a Facebook. We've got a yeah, Facebook we, we, group. We, we check that a lot more. Yeah. So our Facebook group is facebook.com forward slash diminishing returns podcast. And the Twitter Twitter page, if you want that, which I suppose yeah. we might as well drop it in because we're doing all this now. Uh, Twitter is twitter.com forward slash dim returns pod or just at dim returns pod yeah go to dimreturns.com and you'll find the links to everything there mm. you'll find our entire back catalogue all the diminisodes the extra yeah, bits yeah. we throw out there's reviews on there right right uh do you want to uh, you want to buzz in i guess if okay yeah my my buzzer is oh all right like Calvin. John, john fashnu you know did you get that <laughs> reference nope <laughs> okay all right all right should we start yeah. <laughs> All right. A Wooga. Yeah, salad. <laughs> That's got to be from Deadpool too. That is that is X Force. That is the um the the reprisal of the the Deadpool rap from the first film, X Force Remix, mm. Team Head Kick from Deadpool Two. Stomp the toes, ear smack from the back, then bust the nose. Wham, bam, time to get fuck slammed, putting in work, going hand to hand. Kick him in the knee so hard it buckles, quick uppercut, left, right with knuckles. Hot brass, smash a bottle, whooping that. I'm gonna. This is a total guess because I haven't seen it yet. But is it Suspiria? Uh, no, but that is a very good guess. Very good guess. Mm. Uh, Hmm. Uh, I have no clue. Um. No, it's uh, (sighs) no. It's it's the uh, rather rather lovely score to First Man, which I did not care for, but I did like the music. Oh, Oh, Alexander Desplat, is it? Desplat. Yeah. Although it weirdly uh, makes heavy use of the exact same melody as uh, Lion King Two, Drink with Me, Today's Gone By, <laughs> from Les Misérables. Started right there. Oh, so we like interesting. So many melodies. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's Radiohead, that's isn't it? That is well, no, it's, it's yes. Tom York. Yeah. That is Tom York. Yes. Uh, Calvin, were you were you saying Radiohead? Yes. Well, that is Tom York of Radiohead. So I mean, you, oh, you, oh, you are correct. But Alan beat you to it. I think. Do do I get half a point? <laughs> No, no, because because Alan said Tom York and Suspiria. I think Alan gets two and you get none. Nah. <laughs> Alan's on three. Uh, Calvin, mm. catch up. My hot tip is this song will be nominated for the best original song Oscar. Okay, 
next. The Wooga! Yes? That's gotta be some sort of Star Wars film. Solo? No. Is it is, is it Incredibles? No. No, no. Yeah. It sounds like Sean Connery hitting a uh, tarantula. <laughs> bam, bam. It isn't Jurassic World, is it? It's not Pacific Rim Uprising. No, no. I mean, very good guesses. It's not Jurassic World, it's not Pacific Rim, but very good guesses. Uh, I doubt you're going to get this one, but that is uh, the one moment, the one Easter egg that really did uh, make me very happy in Ready Player One. That is the moment in which the classic Godzilla theme is worked into the film score. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Very good, very good. All right. All right, Calvin, you're going to... Uh, start winning these back now, I think. So, Alan, Ooh. stay alert. It's James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Shallow, Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, <laughs> Star is Born. Was that? What was that? I that was so <laughs> quick. Wow. <laughs> I know her voice too well. What was it? Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, Shallow. Mm, from, from Star is Born. Hot tip. Not only will this be nominated for Best Original Song, this one will win Best Original Song. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, it gives me goosebumps. I love it. I don't even like the film. I'm not even like a big Lady Gaga person, but it is a great song, I've got to say. It is. All right. All right. Bit of a weird one now. Let's see if either of you can get this. Yeah. It's like this could be Metropolis soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> the workers of the factory. It isn't um, Solo, is it? No. Ooh, I'll have a guess. The Blade Runner film. No, <gasps> no. Oh. Shall I give you a tip? Okay. All right. Or a clue, is a it? Clue. <laughs> well, this is another hot tip for the Oscars. Just a tip. I think this is a lock for best animated film of the year. Ooh. Not to win it, but to be nominated. No, it's it's uh it's Isle of Dogs. Ah, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Welcome back. Watch your head. Hate to see you end up dead. Let's get this party rolling. Oh, it's um. Oh no, it isn't. Nope, nope, nope. Keep going. That great wedding in the sewer. You'll be happy that you knew her. Big bomb dogs and cats. It sure tastes great. With a side of license plate. Some find us deplorable. Well, I think you're adorable. We may be a motley crew, but our hearts ring true. And just for you, a face tattoo. This is gonna really annoy me. Um, I've not seen it, but I should know it. Um, I mean, there's there's a couple of pretty recognisable voices in there. One very yeah, I know. Voice. Yeah. Was it Wreck It Ralph too? Yes, it was. Ralph Fuck! breaks the internet. Damn it! <laughs> that was a bit of a guess, but yeah, it was. There wasn't that many options. <laughs> All right, let me see. So we've got this next one's very difficult. Then we've got some ones that you. Yeah, I think you should be able to get everything apart from the next one. 
I'd be amazed okay. if either of you get this one, but I'm going to play it. Hereditary? No. Yeah. Is it from the horror bit of Jurassic World? No. Should I give you a clue? It's not from a horror film at all. Oh. oh. Although it is arguably from a horror director. Oh. Uh, James Wan. What's the film he just did? Aquaman. What? <laughs> Aquaman. It's not from Aquaman, the film he watched oh, yesterday. Or whatever it was, no. <laughs> <laughs> nice tune whatever it is um no um no I... you know you're not gonna get it it's it's from the girl in the spider's web uh which i don't think yeah. anyone has seen you know i i quite like the girl with the dragon tattoo the english language remake i did not like the the new one stephen merchant's in it oh interesting it's beautifully shot <laughs> and the music's very nice but it's not a good film I've been overlooked, slept on, stepped on, left for dead Always against all eyes like Pac said I'm the living great Gatsby But these boys are watching quick and disappear like Banksy From ocean to ocean, sea to sea I'm something that you gotta see Gonna take a lot to drive me away from you There's nothing that I It's a cover of an existing song, isn't it? I know, I know what it is I was gonna say, Alan, I'm amazed you've not buzzed in Or have I just not heard I thought I'd give Calvin a chance. Yeah, I know what it is. No, no, no. Is, is it a cover of an already existing song? Kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've taken the chorus and done it weirdly. Oh, I don't Bizarre. know. Is it Deadpool? No. Two? <laughs> no, it was Aquaman. Inexplicably, Pitbull decided to um, kind of half cover, half talk over the top of Africa by Toto. Uh, and that's we were left with that. It's completely choice. explicable. Yeah. It's because they're in Africa in that scene. Oh. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Yes. Oh what a load of shit. They're, I mean, you know, pe- people are calling for him to be tried for crimes Shot. against humanity. <laughs> and I, I don't think that would be an overreaction. <laughs> I'm not doing very good at this. I am very hungover. Very hungover. <laughs> Word around town that they coming from my head though Funny thing about it, they don't know what's in my head though Schizo, maniac, finna go klepto So hands on, it's gonna hover me to let go Let go, my ego, my ego in the same boat With a slow leak, screaming at the world till she prank up Two middle fingers see you all, tell them there we go Creed 2. Oh. I'm amazed that took us yeah. Again, were you, get, were you just letting Calvin catch up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, kind, I just thought there's no way you've seen it. I was just kidding. Tell me who's gonna see me from myself When this life is all I know It's Bruno Mars. It is, is it? It's not Bruno Mars. Oh. <laughs> I mean, unless he's in a band and goes under another name. I don't know about Oh no. Who gon' pray for me? Take my pain for me. Save my soul for me. Cause I'm a lonely If I won't 
fight the world, I fight you, I fight myself. <laughs> Is it Black Panther? Yes. Well, <laughs> Would you have got that, Alan? No, I didn't know that one. That song has not qualified for the best original song Oscar for whatever reason. Uh, oh, a different song from Black Panther has. But I, I would give that the award, personally. It's my favourite song from a film this year. Really? Yeah. Mm. It's not like me, is it? I'm not normally into <laughs> that not... sort of stuff. Hmm. That's not a very interesting song. No, it's great. It's great. Ooh. Oh! Oh, it's Halloween! It is Halloween. Yeah, it sounds very Halloween-y. It, yeah. Halloween. <laughs> it is Halloween. Right, Calvin. You can yes. you can at least end respectably close to Alan, although you can't oh, okay. at this point. So let's let's see. How many more are left? One. Oh, but if my math, so if, I've, if I've added up correctly, right, Calvin, you're on three points. Alan's on seven. But this next one is actually worth five points because I just decided. <laughs> <laughs> so I like this game. Let's let's see what happens, shall we? Uh, we'll have the rest of that clip and then the final one. Okay. Yeah, I really liked this score. That was really good. It's not a Despicable Me film, is it? No. no okay. I, I thought they might be minions. I see. Yeah, I see what you think. It is, it is a film we've covered on the show, though. Oh, really? oh Star Wars. Oh, he's, oh, Solo. he's done you, Calvin. He's done you. No! <laughs> yeah, there's a scene where they're singing in the cantina. That's, yeah, that's the classic Shit, yeah. Star Wars Jabba the Hutt style nonsense song. One of my favourite bits in the film was when they did that. Yeah, it was a good bit of that. Yeah, song. Right. I like the future music. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Long time ago music. The song's called Chicken in the Pot and I believe it's play, It's performed by like a, a sort of quote-unquote sexy alien woman and like a uh. weird little blob in a jar and I thought it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I believe I won that quiz 12-3 then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, I normally win, and I'm not on top form today, so I, I think we should, it should stand, yeah. Right, well, there we go. Another year. Well, thanks, thanks, Calvin, for... Uh... No, it's been a pleasure, as always. It's nice. Nice to pop by, say hi. Meet meet the rest of the people as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's that, what's that Judy? What? Oh, oh, right, yes, yes, we'll pop out for a, for a drink afterwards. Uh, <laughs> yes. Bring here. Oh... Bye. Bye.